Drama City Productions presets. Access granted, welcome nerd. Episode 40 now loading, news horror comics wrestling. Load complete. This is the Amazing Nerd Show, episode 41, Damon. News, news, and more news, yes. Christian. We've got a whole lot of it, so let's dive in. Yes. Uh, right, we're going to start off with the Aquaman trailer that came out for San, uh, San Diego, New York Comic Con. Yes, it was New York Comic Con over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Not tons of shit came out yeah. of it. Um, some comic book shit. We got a few little trailers. Well, this wasn't a little trailer. <laughs> this was more of a clip, right? Yeah, I I got more of that. Like, this is a clip of the movie. It was five playing. minutes long. Yes. <laughs> Holy crap! I mean, they're really trying to sell this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, so all right, let's get into it. It was the second like full trailer that they did for Aquaman. What were your thoughts? Um, no, I didn't have a problem with the trailer. I think it was mostly just is this the whole movie now that I'm seeing? <laughs> and is this how he's going to act throughout the entire movie? Oh, you're talking about kind of like the haha moments? Yeah, which is fine. Like, I don't I don't care if it's a little bit more lighthearted, but I still want him to be a, a fun character, like a more full, realized character. I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that there's a lot of story to him, not just... Um, it looks fucking epic. Yeah. I mean, it was a five-minute trailer. It looks epic, <laughs> like everything that we saw like, on the screen and everything. I mean, there are fucking, like, sharks with cannons uh, attached to them and crazy-looking fucking seahorses. I mean, everything that you would expect mm. and want in an Aquaman movie, um, if you wanted an Aquaman movie. And I do. I do. <laughs> I don't but, know. But, well, yeah, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, no, I do. <laughs> At this moment, I do. I thought it looked epic. Um, but yeah, there's a few like one liners in there, uh, one liners in there that made me kind of cringe. The whole like you know, peeing on the uh, whatever the mm-hmm. I, the little totem thing that they're putting in. I don't yeah. know. It feels like it's like Keanu Reeves doing Thor. <laughs> like if I could like sum up you know his character right now. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to see like a two hour movie with that. At this point, so I'm hoping that there's a little more depth to his There was a little bit too much convenience to that whole moment as well, where it's like, oh, let me just pull one drop of water out of you, and that solves all of our problems. Yeah, that's okay. That's our power set, though. I mean, I I mean, I get, but... That one drop turns into a fucking ocean, pretty I much, there? Needed, I, I don't know how their fucking technology works. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it. Fine. The line I won't buy, the whole peanut on the thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I just laughed I'm hoping a that I will. I will admit to laughing mm. at first, but yeah, after the fact, I was embarrassed that I laughed. <laughs> I felt like a third grader. <laughs> I'm just hoping it like it stays at this line where it's it's campy and fun, but not too campy, not too dumb. 
Not too dumb. As yes, it feels dumb. Mm-hmm. It felt a little dumb that that moment. Um, what about the action sequences that we saw? Like, I felt like we saw like a whole clip in the middle of the trailer. I feel like that's like the entire chase scene. Yes, at least with Black Manta. Like, and that looks awesome. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, that was a cool moment. I love that they fucking. I mean, it is like super comic book like accurate, like with the costumes mm-hmm. and everything. Um, what did you think about the final moment of the trailer? I laughed. Did you? I laughed when I saw him in the full costume. Really? I thought it was okay. I don't, I don't need I him. Mean, I don't need him in the orange. And really? Uh, I thought it looked kind of badass. I don't know. I didn't mind it. It didn't look like the tights. True. You know, it looked like fucking badass armor that happens to be orange. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I think he. They sold. They sold me with it. I like that James Wan is like, fuck it, we're going, we're mm-hmm. going there. Like, fuck it, we're going, we're going huge Black Manta fucking, like, fishbowl, globe eyes, shooting shit. I thought that was badass. I love that he's like, screw it, we're going to go with the original Aquaman costume. Um, I, I love, mean, like I said, fucking sharks with fucking mm-hmm. cannons. I mean, let's just do it all. Screw it. I think we're going to get something similar to Thor Ragnarok with this film. With a comedic tone, do you think? Comedic tone, but like someone who's just willing to play with it and willing to just accept it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I want them to take it somewhat serious, but not too serious at the same time and be able to kind of like laugh at it, but not too, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's Mm. a fine line where you can go over the line, you can go over and you can like almost verge on the like side of like parody. So I don't want it to get to that point. Not that Thor Ragnarok did that, but there were moments where we felt like they kind of like squashed like big emotional heavy moments in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, just to get an extra one-liner in there. Um, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm worried that it's going to be poking too much fun at itself. It's going to be too meta, yeah. you know, and I don't want that, you know. I want them to be able to like take itself seriously but have fun at the same time makes any sense no that's exactly why i'm trying to get yeah it so just don't get too dumb with it mm. i don't need him peeing on shit you know <laughs> <laughs> so but uh now you're gonna get a whole scene where he's peeing on a relic yeah just right to, get to work <laughs> that's just what he does he travels the globe <laughs> peeing on relics um but yeah no uh it didn't it didn't sway me away from wanting to see the movie so i'm still excited mm. for the it just was a very long trailer. Like, I was like, oh, they they might be a little worried that they're putting something like, listen, this movie's actually good. Please, you know, <laughs> you know, believe us. Here's five minutes of it, just in case you were worried. So, um, but yeah, yeah. It looked like it, they put some money behind this, though. Oh, yeah. Like, some serious fucking That's money. a lot of work for them. Yes. I can't, I can't even imagine the amount of work to try and get someone to look like they're underwater at all times as well. I still don't know how they're going to communicate underwater. Did, did, did we see any, like, them actually, like, communicating? I underwater? feel like they're just going to talk. Because in Justice League, right, they were kind of, like, yeah. doing, like, bubbles or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, like, Mira created a bubble for them. Yeah. I don't, but I, I can't I don't think see a two-hour movie where they're, like, in bubbles. I think they're just going to talk underwater. And it's going to be fine. Do you think, how much of the movie do you think actually takes place under the water? Um, at least 30 to 40%. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That's doable, too. Mm-hmm. And they've got, like, palaces and stuff like that, so they can make those where they, like, you know, water-free, I guess. They don't have to be floating the entire time. Yeah, then aren't they going to have to put in some dumb explanation? Why do we have 
don't know. I, isn't one of his goals in this film to raise Atlantis again? Who? Aquaman? No, the villain. Oh, Ocean Master? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That's, I think that's one of the lines I came across. Okay. I could see there. that. I could, I mean, I feel like that's We're gonna raise always Atlantis Ocean Master's like goal. Those. Even Ocean Master is very comic, like, accurate. Like, I mean, mm. they did not fuck around. I like that. You know, I, I'm all like, hey, man, this shit works, you know, for how many years? Why not? Let's throw it together. Put it on the screen. Let, let's just go with it. <laughs> it worked. Huh? It worked. <laughs> I'm just fuck you. Just <laughs> Aquaman Relax. works. He's got a bad rap. <laughs> so he talks to fish. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, no. I, I don't know. I'm on board. I'm on board. So that's more than I thought I would be saying a year ago after Justice League. Mm-hmm. And it's almost been exactly a year. And they were shooting a lot of this. While Justice League was shooting. So they've been working on this movie for a long time. So they've got a lot vested in this. So um, I wonder if anything changed, though. You know, after, after Justice League. Oh, God, yeah. You think so? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. That's why you even got that first tra- trailer being so tonally different. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, we will make a point. This is not that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, do you think they referenced Justice League at all? They, at this point, I would want them to maybe just stay away from <laughs> Just it. let's forget about that. But, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They, probably, they might have to, like, um, mention, like, what happened to them during that whole, like, siege with whatever his fucking name was. Oh, I don't know. But he stole the mother box. Let's not go there. But, <laughs> they don't have to. Yeah, they don't have to. They can just pretend mm. it didn't happen and, you know, I think everyone will be okay. Exactly. I'm going to be okay. (laughs) All right. We also, during a New York Comic Con, we got the first look at Bullseye. Um, Highly anticipated, um, heavily rumored, um, all get confirmed until pretty much this trailer. I mean, I know there there were shots of, like, the cast wearing, like, you know, their gear, you know, on set, and it all had, like, Bullseyes on it, so... Um, but there was one actor and, you know, character, like a CIA agent that didn't have necessarily a name, I believe, mm-hmm. on, like, the call sheet that people all kind of, like, speculated. That was one? Actually, like, yes, <laughs> that was Bullseye. And sure enough, it was Bullseye. Yes. So uh, what did you think of our first look? Um, I'm super excited for this. I mean, um, this feels more in the liking of what we got from season one with Daredevil. With the tone and everything yes. like that. Yeah, I love that we're getting lots of Kingpin. Mm. Um, that seems to be... He's, he's definitely... fucking fantastic. He is. Role, so I... He is. And it's, it's sad because I almost forgot how awesome he is and mm. how much he meant to that show. Because um, we did go, like, heavy with the hand, if you will, <laughs> with the second season. So, um, but yeah, I thought Bullseye looked great. I was really worried about, you know, when they were kind of describing what his character could be and everything with the whole, like, former like i think he's like an fbi agent mm. or cia agent i was like i don't know if i want to see this where you know we're kind of showing the origin story of how he becomes bullseye and to go down this path um but they sold me with this trailer and it's like maybe a minute and a half long but <laughs> i was like I, um, I love seeing him kind of like dressed up as daredevil hmm. you know playing that part um you know and there's some iconic shit that could go down you know, with Bullseye now part of the show. So he's, he means so much to Daredevil's story. Um, I, I, 
you know, it's funny to think that it's taken this long for him to kind of, you know, jump in. Um, but I'm, I'm super stoked to see yes. it. Yes. One more week away as well, which is just crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just, what, it was just announced, like, what, like three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. That when it was actually, we got an actual date exactly. when it was going to drop. So... Was it three or two? Because I feel like it wasn't that long ago. Because we were speculating just a month ago, like, oh, yeah, probably December, mm-hmm. you know, and we know it's going to be the end of the year, just assuming since Iron Fist just came out in September. So, yeah, yeah. Still hadn't finished Iron Fist, by the way. <laughs> I got two more to go. Yeah, two more. I'm at the very end. All right. All right. Is it going okay? It's It's better than the first season. Okay. But it still drags a lot because of the first season. So. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm going <laughs> to drag watch it then. So while we were recording last week's episode, we had some major news break with Star Wars. Yes. The Mandalorian. Yes. We got the title of the TV series and we actually got like a whole like rundown in like classic Star Wars scroll style on uh, John Favreau's page. So, um... We're basically going to be following a lone, it seems like almost like a gunslinger, mm-hmm. um, a Mandalorian, um, who is kind of following in the footsteps of Django and Boba Fett. So I don't know if that means they're he's also a bounty hunter. I'm, I'm going to assume he's going to be a bounty yeah. hunter. So, um, and we actually got a pretty sweet pick of like, you know, the Mandalorian, mm. if you will. Uh, I love how much Star Wars seems to like stick to the Mandalorians like constantly and all the like shows mm-hmm. and always comes back to the Mandalorians. It's a big part of their mythology. Mm-hmm. So um what so what did you think of, you know, the whole rundown and everything? You know, we know that's gonna take place right after uh return and before First Order, you know, the First Order like, you know, come into mm-hmm. power. So it seems well, gonna be like it's gonna be its own contained story. We're just following the Mandalorian, if you will. You know, in his journey. Well, I'm happy to explore that time period, especially not from just the cartoon side. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be able to maybe hopefully get more adult themes, more action out of this. Yeah. Than we would have gotten with, like, I don't remember the show's name anymore. What are you talking about? The new um, animated series that's supposed to come out soon. Oh, you about The Resistance? Yeah. Yeah, that's supposed to take place like I think, closer like, to like yeah, two or three years mm. from like uh, Force Awakens. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty crazy time period, especially with like what they've shown for us in the books and the game so far. You know, it's kind of like almost lawless to the point of where the Republic are trying to take over. So it should be interesting for a character like this that's almost. Probably, most likely, a bounty hunter. I'm just going to just assume he's going to be a bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, the picture, if you haven't seen it, it's on our Instagram page. But, I mean, he's in the classic armor. Mm. So, I mean, right away, you know, I got chills. I got all excited. It, it feels like it's going to lend itself to, like, kind of telling, like, you know, an underworld kind of story, which I've always wanted with Star Wars. And we kind of started getting with, like, Solo. Mm. So, um... You know, I think we're going to really start to explore that, you know, underbelly of the Star Wars universe, which I'm excited about. So, um, and I'm glad that it's going to, it feels like it's going to be a smaller story where it's just following Mm. like one character. Um, I think that's going to help it um, because it's such a huge undertaking. Like, I don't need to know everything that's happening in the Star Wars universe um, you know, in between that because what's the time frame? That's like 30 years or something like, right? So, 
I mean, we're gonna get plenty of things. Yeah, they'll give us out. hints. <laughs> they're gonna give us hints of things, but there's gonna be so many other stories that mm. we can tell. And it's gonna leave it wide open. So I'm I'm glad that it's a contained story that we can like go on a journey with and just you know it can be its own thing. Would you want an adult Sabine to show up? Yes, I'm not sure if they'll do it just because I I feel like they might tackle her story in the resistance Mm. it feels like they're kind of keeping those you know cartoon series like characters like in their own like realm like ahsoka and everything like that and i feel like um azra's story is gonna actually you know get explored during resistance too where we like left off um but i could definitely i mean she's such a huge pet of that world you know Mandalore so um, you know her family and her lineage and everything I, I wouldn't be surprised if she pops up mm. um, or at least we know we know that Hera survived to return um, so I don't know if it's been necessarily confirmed that Sabine is still around mm. so I, I'm not sure you know where she would be at at this point but it would just be interesting for to see that character mm. you know live action you know on the small screen i think that would be awesome and there's so much there that they could really you know i, I feel like she could add to you know this universe you know seeing a, a badass live action version of Sabine mm. running around would be pretty awesome Plants and bombs and spray and paint yeah yeah, I think she was kind of over the, the spray paint thing. <laughs> <laughs> that point. She was still an artist, but... Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she'll be... At, she probably would be at odds with this character, it feels like. Mm. You know, if, if what we're speculating is correct, where he's a bounty hunter, it would make sense for her to be honest with Do you him. think they'll go in a more anti-hero route, or would it be more just a strict... I don't want them to, but I know they will. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems to be the Hollywood way of, you know, dealing with, you know, badass characters that they don't want to, like, you know, dedicate a whole show, you know, around, like, a villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, and we'll get there later on in the episode when we, you know, review Venom, but I feel like they're going to want to kind of soften those, you know, hard edges a little, so... You know, and it's their it's a totally new original character that you know they can do whatever they want with. I think people would probably be a little more upset with like Boba Fett or something like that if they tried to do it. And I know they they pretty much did that in the Star Wars books, at least in this extended universe. So um, I think being free of you know past continuity will help this character. Mm. So watch her come out be like another angsty Kylo Ren type character. Oh, like footsteps. totally like emo, like yeah. Boba Fett or something like that? <laughs> oh, I hope not. That'd be awful. Not that I have a problem with Kylo Ren, <laughs> but I don't want to see, you know, a bounty hunter like that. Um, not with the lineage of, you know, the Fett. I feel like we're all going to love Kylo Ren more when his story is. I like Kylo Ren. I don't have a problem with Kylo Ren. I like that he's fucking angsty. I like that he's like an emo Vader. I, I, I enjoy that about the mm, character. I, I just, I need something more. I need a little bit more for his character in some you way. You got a whole other movie. I know. <laughs> I like that he throws It just catches. feels like there's something It missing. feels like how Luke would be if he went to the dark side. Mm. You know, Luke is kind of a whiny bitch in that first movie. Mm. 
So it feels very much what would have happened, you know, if a Skywalker, you know, like Luke would have gone straight to the dark side. So I'm okay with Kylo. I'm cool with him. He's whiny in Empire as well. Huh? (laughs) He's a little whiny enough. He's a little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, Not the training little. scenes with, yeah. uh, with Yoda and everything <laughs> like that, right? Um, but whatever. Luke rules. <laughs> He's a badass in Jedi, though. So officially, we got a new script for the MCU. Yes, we did. Um, you know, and the fact that it leaked makes me feel like they are big on it. So we got a Dark Avengers script, which yes. is, com- is coming out of left field. It's something that I didn't see them wanting to explore. No, and not currently. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense with the fact that we're going to be getting scrolls soon mm-hmm. with the Captain Marvel movie. Um, it kind of makes me feel like the scrolls are going to be a big part of the MCU, um, you know, with the current day MCU. Mm-hmm. So, um, in which I think we kind of saw coming, but... Basically, the story is with the Dark Avengers, it's Norman Osborn's team. Um, he's handled the keys to the castle um, after the secret invasion. He's looked upon by the public as like the big hero of the secret invasion. He was the leader of the Thunderbolts team at the time. Um, it's not necessarily so, but he's the one who's like filmed on camera, uh, putting an end to uh, the Queen's scroll. So perception-wise. Yeah, so perception-wise, the government gets behind him. You know, he's running a government-run team that, you know, is basically their, the Marvel's version of Suicide Squad. Um, but he's basically given S.H.I.E.L.D. He changes the name to Hammer, and then he goes ahead and he puts together his own Avengers team. And, you know, um, the book lasted... God, I want to say 20 or so issues, maybe a little longer. Um, it was pretty cool, though. It, mm. It's like this dark, twisted version of the Avengers. And he, he does things like he has a Spider-Man on the team, which is actually Venom, um, the symbiote, with um, uh, attached to, um, oh, God, what's the character's name? It's the Scorpion. I can't think of the actual character's name. Um, he somehow wins Venom in like an auction or something ridiculous like that. So, um, but yeah, so he was actually pretty cool with the, with the suit though. Um, but then you also have a bullseye dressed mm-hmm. up as Hawkeye. You have a, um, a, a Miss Marvel who Was there a reason, why, what was his reasoning for having them dress up as heroes? Just public perception. Okay. I think, I think if he had bullseye running around on his team, I mean, people would be a little upset mm. that you're running around with like... Charles Manson, you know, on these missions. Mm. So it's just more like public perception, I believe. So I'm trying to think who else was on that team. So he actually was wearing the Iron Patriot suit, um, you know, because obviously he's not going to be running around dressed up like a Green Goblin. So um, it, it it really made Norman Osborn like almost like the Lex Luthor of like the Marvel yeah, Universe. When I was reading this, that's exactly why I started thinking like this is totally a Lex story. Yes. If this was DC. Yes, yes. Um, it, it very much felt like that's what Marvel was going for with him. And it worked, though. It made perfect sense for that universe. Um, and Norman's such a badass villain. I, I was really happy to see him, like, get his spotlight and everything. And, you know, see him interacting with these other, like, you know, heroes and just, you know, being, you know, looked upon as this mm. major villain just not in like Spider-Man's world but you know the Marvel Universe as a whole so 
I was I was excited for it. Now, it worked. It worked. With that said, though, do you think that's the kind of story we're going to get with them being kind of like a villain's team in Heroes Clothing? I don't know. I mean, they can use Norman Osborn now. I mean, with their deal that they have with Sony. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of the reasons why I was excited with, you know, kind of their, you know, handshake agreement. The fact that they could, you know, use a lot of these, like, classic Spider-Man villains. I feel like Norman is one of the best villains in the MCU. So, I was, I was really, I was really excited to see that. So, um, just, I'm not sure if they're going to, that's a lot to, like, you know, put Mm -hmm. on an audience. So there's I a lot of faith that you're asking for, but I mean, I mean, if you go back, I don't know how many years at this point, like people were like, "Who the fuck is the Guardians of the Galaxy?" Yes. Oh, exactly, exactly. And that's how I feel like who the hell was this? You know, who the hell is Suicide Squad? Who's Harley Quinn? Who's Deadpool? So I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, the public has shown that they can consume this mm-hmm. product and be okay. You know, that they'll embrace it. So. I, I almost feel like this is more of a story arc that would take place within, like, an Avengers movie, though. Not, like, its own separate thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I can't imagine lasting more than one movie. Like, not getting, like, you know, unless they decide to do it, like, almost like it's more of a Thunderbolts movie than a Dark Avengers movie. And you're just kind of getting, like, you know, this government-run Avengers team that's more villains, mm-hmm. you know kind of on these missions because they're forced by the government, you know, which would basically feel like a complete rip-off that I the could, Suicide yeah. Squad. But that I could see them That's doing. kind of what the Thunderbolts became. Um, so I could but, see that more logically fitting into as, like, if this was, like, the first one, then, then maybe a sequel could be more, like, traditional. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would really, I would love to see, like, a Dark Avenger. Like, if they go with that book and kind of, those themes and everything and you know norman this kind of character who's trying to hold it together because he's Mm. insane you know but he's battling himself a lot you know and trying not to let the goblin out um his unfolding you know his his downfall is basically um he's this big like battle in asgard and he's been like battling the goblin this entire time and you have this like inner monologue happening throughout the whole series and then finally like he's in this big battle and he just loses it he goes fucking ape shit and like they you know the heroes somehow get his helmet off and what they're like you know to their astonishment he's actually painted his face green and everything like goblin style so like he's just gone full goblin on them but no one's really you know realized it Mm -hmm. you know at the time so um and he's just a raving lunatic after that so the power finally like got to him. Um, Do you think we'll introduce him in this next Spider-Man film, as they kind of like starting the groundwork? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe like a, a cameo. I don't think he'll be mm. a big part of the movie. But yeah, I like like he's laying the groundwork. You know, so I I, I would hate for him... it just to be like this is his introduction. Like, just in an Avengers movie? Like, I feel like it needs to be part of, like, Spider-Man's world first, mm-hmm. and then, you know... That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. I would hate it would be, like, um, I almost said Justice League Dark. Um, Avengers Dark, and that's your first introduction to him. Yeah, no, I don't I don't need to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I want him to go through his, you know, his regular arc in Spider-Man and everything as his villain, and 
then, you know, gain this power. That's a lot of movies, though, to, mm-hmm. you know, to get through, to get to. And this is just a script at this point. But the fact that it leaked out, I feel like they're testing the waters. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they probably have a lot of scripts out there, you know, that they, you know, give to some writers and, you know, just to kind of see, you know, if it's something that they want to do. Why wouldn't you commission these writers to, you know, hey, you know, go ahead and do something on this, you know, let's see, you know, if this works, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, you know, pick and choose what you want to run from. You've got so much, you know. I mean, I have no idea where, how far they have planned at this mo- moment, like what, after Avengers, where are they, where are they thinking? No, and that's what's awesome about it. You really mm-hmm. don't know where they're going, you know, um, it really. I mean, a lot of people's speculation, of course, is Secret Invasion being next, but. I feel yeah. like that's a lot to like a lot to get to if we want. Depends on how well Captain Marvel sets it up. True. So, I mean, all you have to do is just, you know, have secret or have Captain Marvel hit, you know, introduce the scrolls who they are, and then just, you know, you have one scene at the end of, you know, Avengers Four where you realize a like predominant like character, a bigger character is actually a scroll. Hmm. And you know, the crowd loses their shit. So, and then you can kind of, you know, unpack it with, you know, the next movie and go from there. So, you could easily get there. So, I, I mean... As long as it's not Sam Jackson, because I'm going to call it too easily. What? Yeah. <laughs> I've been I saying he's think... a scroll since Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Sam Jackson. I think that's too easy. Hmm. Too, it would be too on the nose. But maybe it's Coulson. You know, someone like that, you know. I'd still, I, think I, would, be, I would want it to be like either one of the heroes or something. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the problem with the comic book series is they didn't go far enough. So I hope that, you know, the MCU version of the story, hmm. they will go far enough and have it be a major character, you know, or at least, you know, like one of the original Avengers. Um, you know, I don't know how far back they go with it. So, um, you know, like maybe you could make Hawkeye, a exactly. or Black Hawkeye. Widow, or, you know, a character like that. You know, I mean, where was Hawkeye during, you know, the last movies? So, I mean, it, that mm-hmm. could totally be one of the stories. His whole family are scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited by the, just the prospect of yes. the movie, though. So, there's so many different directions that you go into. And, I don't know, a grittier version of the Avengers would be pretty badass. So, and now we've seen the, you know, MCU's version of Bullseye, put him in a Hawkeye suit, you know, be pretty badass. And we'll finally get a crossover yes. between the Netflix <laughs> shows. You know, not I not would the never one see, that I expected. Yes, but. I would never <laughs> see that coming, but that'd be awesome, right? All right. So what else do we have news-wise? Well, the man that left the MCU or was forced out That's of right. the MCU. That's right. Speaking of Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we actually joked about this. When he got canned from... Uh, Go make a Suicide Squad. Not to. We, we just said DC is going to pick him up. Mm. So, and it looks like it might be happening. DC looks to be trying to hire a court, James Gunn, to do the next Suicide Squad movie. Um, Gavin O'Connor uh, exited the film uh, over frustrations he had with the studio. So I'm sure he's not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, it looks like James Gunn is being courted right now to possibly take over. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, I would like to see that. I think he would do a much better Suicide Squad. And and this is coming from someone, I 
didn't hate the first one. Mm-hmm. I have to keep letting people know that. But uh-huh. I didn't hate people the first one. People just assume. <laughs> <laughs> I did hate the first one. Mm. So, um, but there was potential there. I do, I do admit that mm. there was definitely potential there. It's such a great concept. Um, and it was definitely inspired by, I feel like, just the whole tone of, like, Guardians mm. at the time. I mean, God, those trailers felt very much like a Guardians. Or, I mean, even the music played yeah, throughout the that's, film. That's it's, exactly. It's, like, trying to be it, but it didn't work the right way. No, 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 no. But now they got, the you man. know. The man. <laughs> himself, James Gunn, um, possibly helping the picture. So, um, I would be excited to see what mm-hmm. he could do. With it, I almost wish it was just like, you know, I don't know, just cleaning the slate and just pretending the last movie didn't happen and just, you know, his own thing, his own version of the team, his own version of the story. I I would love to see that. Um, I don't want him to be kind of bogged down by like the continuity of like the DCEU. I, I would love to see him just mm-hmm. kind of do his own, you know. Well, I think at this point they're movie. at that point where they're like, just make a good fucking movie, please. Yes, let artists <laughs> let artists create. I think mm-hmm. that's that's what they should be doing. You know, uh, over at Warner Brothers. So, and if it doesn't make sense continuity wise and everything, it, fuck it. Who cares? You know, don't let that get in the way of a good story. Which you I think should open movie. the doors for Edgar Wright if he wants to make one. That'd be cool. That's cool. Just throwing that out there. I could see Edgar Wright doing like a Bobo uh, the Chimp Detective movie. That'd be great. I know he's a new favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> but when written well, we've been when talking a lot of Bobo no. Detective Chimp lately, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> what books are we reviewing this week, Christian? Uh, Justice <laughs> Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark. Uh, uh, yes, is the full title of the book. Okay, we'll get to and it. Bobo. <laughs> Does, I think he has his own book. Does he have his own book? I think there's a book with him. Oh, dear God. What's this world coming to? All right. Anyway. (laughs) So, yes. I'm all for James Gunn getting his second chance over at DC. Mm. You know, I think it'd be great for both of them. So, you know, bring it on. Uh, What else do we have? Staying in line with DC news. uh, We get back to the small screen here. We have the first look at Batwoman. Ruby Rose as Batwoman. What'd you think? I think it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. It, I, it could use a longer cape. I, I do agree with that with I some people. I didn't notice the length of the cape. It's like, it's just a knee length, but... Really? You know, I could do, I could do a whole dramatic, you know, cape. It's long. gotta be practical, though. <laughs> yes. I'm fine with that. No one here tripping over a fucking cape. <laughs> I thought it looked really comic book accurate. You know, mm-hmm. I thought she looked badass. So, I mean, it's... It's a weird shot because it almost looks painted, mm-hmm. you know? But I, Like, the background just seems completely fake. Yeah. Which, uh, which is fine. I know it's probably tooken, taken in front of a um, green screen. So yeah, like, I'm sure, like, they just wanted something for, like, New York mm-hmm. Comic Con, so they did something quickly. Um, I thought it looked great, though. I'm, I'm glad that they went, like, very authentic to, like, that character's, you know costume. I mean, I'm still going to hold Why judgment. Why wouldn't you? It's such a great fucking outfit. Mm. So. I'm still going to hold judgment until they release a trailer because it's a CW show, so I don't know what oh, absolutely. to expect. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So, 
Yeah, but so far, I mean, it, it was just one shot, but it looked great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it wasn't something ridiculous where, like, the color scheme's completely wrong and the costume is, you know, mm-hmm. she's brunette for some reason <laughs> or something ridiculous. I wouldn't put past him. But you know what? That's the one thing I will say about that show. They do pretty, like, they stay pretty true to, like, you know, the characters, like, costumes in that show. Um, almost to a fault, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the whole Arrowverse, if you will. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty standout look. Like, it always looks beautiful on the page as well in comics, so. Yes, yes. It feels very cinematic on the page, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that, you know, she has her own show. You know, I'm surprised they didn't, like, do a movie first, though. So, but uh, maybe. Well, they can't even get a Batman off the ground, so. They could. They just don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Because people are going to fucking go and see Batman. I was mm. like, just go back to Batman. Stop all these other fucking projects. Just do Batman, damn it. Do what you know. Mm. Um, but anyway. Uh, we also got a trailer today, as we're recording, for the new Pet Cemetery movie. Um, we got a few images over the weekend. It looked great. Um, but we didn't really see much. Mm. I was really surprised that we got like a full trailer. Um, I I forgot about this movie. I I, I know it, it. God, I mean, there was rumors of this movie for years, and they were kind of like in pre production, mm. like limbo. Um, but I think you know the success of like it and everything kind of like fast tracked it. Um, you know, and everything Stephen King right now is huge, which it should be. So um, I think this is the right one to do after it. Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite Stephen King stories. So, um, I, you know, and it's one of my favorite Stephen King, like, you know, movie adaptations. So I was really excited to hear this rumored, um, you know, and that, that was actually, you know, coming to fruition. And then the fact that uh, Kevin Kolchak, which I, I'm probably killing his name, was attached to it. Um, he did a movie called Starry Eyes, which was like an indie horror movie a couple years back that I just loved. So he's got a great vision. Um, you know, he was, he actually wrote, you know, this, this story and everything also, but, you know, just a really like daring director who was willing to like take chances, you know, especially with that movie. Check out Starry Eyes if you've not seen that movie. So, um, you know, I feel, I, I was waiting for, to hear his name, Mm -hmm. you know, I know he did a movie called like Holidays or something like that, um, that I haven't gotten a chance to watch, but I, I was kind of waiting to hear like Hollywood, like, you know putting their claws into them and, you know, <laughs> snatching well, them. Well, what a title to then pick up then. Yes, 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 exactly. So, I mean, I I don't know. What did you think about what we, what we saw today? Um, from the trailer, I think it was very well paced. I liked how they used the music. I, I thought it was a solid trailer over, overall. It was all about um, that drum, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what it was attached. I assumed, you know, kind of like, you know, it was going to use like the Native American like backgrounds that, you know, the original movie and the story has. Mm-hmm. But then to see like, you know, the parade of children with a creepy ass animal masks on, you know, it seems mm-hmm. like they're marching out to the pet cemetery. That was, that was, that was pretty fucking creepy, man. Those that are all purchasable masks, too. Are they? Those are like at Party City. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, <laughs> they're fucking creepy. So they were effective. Um, there's so much they can do with this movie. Um, the, the original movie, they, you know, they went, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. But after, because I saw the movie first, and after, like, reading the book, like, it's kind of one of those things. It, it enhanced 
you know, my love for the movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn me off to the movie at all, but there was a lot of things on the page that I was surprised that they didn't put on the screen. So, and Stephen King actually adapted <coughs> the screenplay for the movie, okay. which is the first time he's ever done that. So we can't really blame, mm-hmm. you know, the screenwriter because he's the actually the author of the book. So, but when doing a movie, it's always difficult. You got to pick and choose. So there's a lot there that they can really dive into with this movie, you know, so we can see something new and different that we didn't see with the original. Um, so I'm really hoping that, it, you know, before we saw the sh- trailer, it's mm. obviously not going to be a shot for shot, like remake no. of the original, not that I would want it to be. So I was happy to see that. Um, so I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm a little cautious with it. Cause I love that movie so fucking much. Mm. Um, there's so many great performances. Um, I, I, like today, like watching the trailer, and I forgot John Lithgow was part of this movie. Um, he's playing um, Judd, who uh, Fred Gwynn played of Herman Munster fame. But like I, after watching that movie, like he is Judd to me. So it's like John Lithgow has big shoes, you know, to fill <laughs> in my eyes. So the fact that like he didn't have like that strong like main accent and mm. everything like totally like threw me off. So it's going to be one of those movies. It's like, it's in my like top 20, like favorite (laughs) horror movies. So it's going to be, you know, a lot for me to like, you know, hold this movie in the same regard uh, as the original. But at the same time, I feel like with, especially with the films that we've been getting lately with horror, I think Pet Cemetery could be easily remade. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, if it was like a movie like The Exorcist or something like that, you know, I would right away kind of like scoff at it Mm. but knowing how much was left out of the original movie you know that is in the book it's very doable Mm. it's very doable there's so much material that they did not explore in that movie um that they could really go their own route and make their own movie so i hope they do that i I hope that they don't feel handcuffed by the original movie and like okay we've got to have this scene because it was so classic in the original we have to have this moment because it was such a big moment I hope they do their own thing. And I feel like, you know, um, Kolchak is that kind of director mm. who would want to do his own thing. Um, where it w- will, you know, honor the original movie, but still stay true to itself. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. But, I mean, that original movie, man. I, I don't know. When was the last time you saw that movie? It's high school, man. It's, it it's really been it's been a long time. Okay. Well, I guess it's not really that long of a time. <laughs> but yes, it's been a while. Um, so I I it was one of my and honestly, it's one of those movies, and we'll get to the you know, Halloween horror countdown that we're mm-hmm. doing. It's kind of one of those movies that I was kind of like debating whether or not it was gonna go on my list because it was such a it was one of those like movies in heavy rotation for me, mm-hmm. you know, early on, you know, um as a young horror movie fan, if you will. Uh, but, like, I don't think I've seen it since I've had a kid just because of the moment in the movie where I just now I don't even know if I can handle it. <laughs> um, you know, like, the scariest part of the movie for me is the real life horror that happens in the movie, you know, the loss of a child mm-hmm. and everything, and how well they handle that moment in the movie and how well Stephen King handles it in the book. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be an undertaking to capture. 
so but it is a, I mean, it's just such a big heavy moment you know i just think if done with grief. if done right this could even be like on a hereditary level for me mm-hmm. if the director captures it and i feel like this is the right director mm-hmm. you know as long i mean you never know what happens behind the scenes you know how much like studio input you know will you know take effect and you know how much control he really has but i feel like he's that kind of visionary director who could you know make a movie on that caliber i believe that had hereditary is on um you know uh, it, it, i'm excited i am excited for this and i'm glad that it has you know this young artist attached to it um and it's it's great material it really is you know um just man it, it for me it is up there with you know classics it is a classic Uh, i think rosemary's baby and hmm. you know the omen and the shiny the main reason i had to see pet cemetery in high school was just like there were so many like jokes rooted into the whole concept of you know burying a child or anything Uh in um, cemeteries like where did this you know where did this really start coming from and like what story is it's like okay Here's Pet Cemetery. See that? Yes. Go forward. Yes, yes. I saw this movie. I think I was probably ten or eleven years old, at a friend's house, like during a sleepover, and like I think I was the last person. Like everyone else saw it. It was the first time I saw mm. it, and like the movie ended, and everyone was asleep, and I was just alone in the dark, <laughs> sitting there, you know, not asleep and terrified mm. out of my mind. I don't. I probably ended up going like to sleep like close to like dawn at that point. Like I was just, I was just out of my mind <laughs> with fear because mm. there's so many things that get explored in that movie that you don't see in your average horror movie. You know, um, you know, just just like the, the what death really means. Mm. And, you know, just you know, even I, the mom's storyline with uh, her sister and everything. Yes, there's no happy ending mm-hmm. at all in this movie. Yeah, with the you know with Zelda and everything, and that's a moment that I feel like is underrated. Like Zelda and that performance, and you know that character, absolutely terrifying. Holy shit! I had so many nightmares over Zelda, um, <laughs> or you know Zombie Gage, you know, uh, you know hunting his father, you know, in the hallways of that house, that creepy ass house. So I mean, it just I mean. Man, it is ripe for a, you know, just a stellar, you know, retelling of the story, um, you know, and I'm, 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 really... I mean, even if it is just a, like, it won't be because we've just seen the trailer, but even if it was a reshoot and it's just a clean version of that, I didn't accept it. Really? I, I just don't want, I, if it's just a, like, a shot for shot, like, I don't see the point. Mm-hmm. If you're bringing in like a different angle, a different vision, you know, to the project, then I'm okay with that. That goes for for me with like most remakes, um, you know, because I feel like the movie still holds up. You know, I don't feel like the movie's aged, so I, I'm I'm okay with you know them taking it a different direction and everything. I don't want to see a shot for shot remake like what they did with like Psycho back in the day. That was uh, horrible, yeah. <laughs> and that was literally a shot for shot remake of the original um, with Vince Vaughn. So, um, but yeah, no, it really, it's got me really excited and this is April, so it's not too far away. Mm. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. That's good. Well, while we're on the conversation of horror, it's still horror month. It we're still is. counting down. Cue the spooky music. <laughs> So 
So speaking of movies that traumatized me when I was a child, <laughs> let's talk Halloween for the return of Michael fucking Myers. Uh, this was 10 years in the making. So it was literally in 1988 when this movie came out. Um, it was after the flop of Halloween 3, which did not feature Michael Myers mm. at all. I remember when that movie aired on TV, Halloween 3, that is, um, waiting the entire movie, waiting for Michael Myers to show up, and you never did, you know, except mm. for, like, a little cameo on, like, the, the TV, like, literally being, like, the movie of the week. So, um, you know, and I hated that movie for a long time because of that. <laughs> so, nowadays, I can kind of enjoy Halloween 3 for what it was. I just wish it was called Seasons of the Witch and not mm. Halloween 3. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a can't be fun, like Halloween movie. It really is. But yeah, no, it doesn't belong as part of this no. series. So, but Halloween four came out and I was probably, once again, man, that I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. This is right around the time I saw Pet Cemetery. What a traumatic year this was <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, um, I saw this movie in the theater. This was the First rated R movie, I believe, I saw. Just horror just movie. Let in your kids in, huh? That I, oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> we went with like one of my friend's older brothers or something like that. It was a sleepover, you know. Um, I just started getting horror movies at the time. Um, you know, my friend had an older brother who could go rent movies. They used to do, they had a dual VCR. This is way back, my friend. <laughs> so one you for could, winding and one for... Well, or? you could record oh, okay. other VHS tapes. So you could sit there, he could rent a movie, and then they could record it. So, like, they had they even a library of, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> Friday the 13th. So Sleepovers was just fucking, you know, horror movies all over the fucking place. So, I mean, I was, like, that summer, I saw, like, Hellraiser. I saw, like, Friday the 13th Part 6. That was my first Friday the 13th movie. That's still my favorite Friday the 13th movie. Um, but, yeah, I saw everything. So, it was really leading up to the fall and me finally going to the theater and seeing one of these movies, you know, um, in its first run. And that was Halloween 4. So, and I was not disappointed. Um, you know, I saw the original Halloween on TV, the TV broadcast of it. So it was like, you know, Fox or WGN at the time. So it was edited. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not that there's tons of gore or anything like that. Halloween 2 definitely had its moments. But, you know, one definitely is more about, you know, tension and suspense. And um, But Halloween 4, though, was definitely, you know, all about the kills. You know, it, it was after kind of like, you know, the slasher fad had like, you know, come and it was kind of more on the downswing. Um, but they, you know, wanted to capitalize because they had one of the greatest fucking slashers of all time, you know, sitting there and they weren't using it. Um, a little known fact is John Carpenter did actually write a script for the fourth movie um, that was totally um, turned down. Um, by the producers hmm. so um, he wrote it with I believe the authors of you know they, back in and I don't know if they still do this but they would always do like a novelization of like you know bigger movies oh, so gosh. there was like novels for Halloween and Halloween 2 and everything like that so he co-wrote it with the author of those books um, and it was more about you know Haddonfield you know dealing with the traumatic you know effects of having all those murders back in the day they, like, basically banned Halloween, 
um, and really suppressed everything that had happened, and they, that somehow brings back Michael Myers. So this was not that, though. The script that they went with was much more a straightforward Halloween movie. And I think it, it worked out for the better. So, um, I was about to ask, how do you feel about, like, what could, could that have been a better story in your mind? Well, it's basically what we got with part six, um, which is hilarious. So I'm wondering if the producer's like, oh, you remember that script that Carpenter did? Mm. Let's go ahead and revisit that. Because it was about uh, Tommy Doyle, who was the kid that Jamie was, uh, Lori was babysitting. Um, And um, the little girl that they were also, Lindy, Lindsay Wallace. Um, So it was more about them kind of dealing with, you know, the trauma of everything that happened too. So they were like the main characters. And in part six, Tommy Doyle returns. So, and he's in Haddonfield, who has banned Halloween. So it was like, literally, <laughs> they just were like, okay, let's go with Carpenter's script. <laughs> um, but anyway, so four is like, Michael is supernatural at this point. Um, he basically somehow survived, you know, being lit on fire, shot a bunch of times by Loomis in part two. Loomis is almost supernatural too because somehow he, you know, survived exploding um, in part two. Um, it, it it opens up with, for some reason, they've decided to move Michael back to Smith's Grove. Um, he's in this weird, you know, uh, sanitarium, uh, like, basement, you know, in a coma, mm-hmm. you know, for the last 10 years, we're led to believe. So... You know, they kind of, you know, do a little nice quick, you know, exposition kind of explaining to you where, you know, all the characters are and what's happened, um, you know, how Michael's gotten here. And then, you know, slowly but surely, you know, they load him up with the ambulance and then, you know, the the EMTs are like sitting there, you know, discussing, you know, the history of Michael Myers. And they happen to mention that, you know, Lori has passed away, but, you know, his only surviving, you know, uh, family member is his young niece to which michael awakens directly (laughs) like right after they say that he pops up puts his thumb through the guy's fucking skull um and you know we're off so um loomis is batshit crazy here um he is full ahab here hunting you know his great white um it's fantastic uh donald pleasance is you know the driving force in this film and he's at his best here. So <laughs> he's got a little scar on his face to show, you know, he's kind of burnt up after exploding. Isn't it Is enough, there... though? What? Was it enough? Oh, though? no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, it makes Because that explosion <laughs> was extensive. <laughs> well, the screenwriter for Four actually had a scene that kind of explained what happened to Loomis. They wanted to shoot it where it would show him kind of escaping the explosion. So it would make mm. sense. But then they decided just not to yeah, shoot. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> people are going to accept it. We got, we got Donald Pleasance in the film again, people. Mm. Come on now. So and, and they're pretty much right. Um, but Loomis, I mean, is just everything to this movie. Um, you know, and it really hurt the franchise when, you know, Donald Pleasance passed away. Because in this movie, I think he's at his best. He's just, you know, just hunting in a man like, obsessed with taking down Michael Myers, who he sees as pure evil. Um, you know, there is a, a fantastic scene where he finally comes face to face with him in a diner. 
Um, Michael's not in the full getup yet. Um, he's all bandaged up and everything like that. But, you know, they do that classic camera trick where, you know, they move the camera forward without moving everything. You know, it's just like you could see Loomis's world, you know, like coming to focus and realizing what he's, you know, standing in front of. So, um, but yeah, it, it, the race is on after that. It, it just, it just unfolds at like a ridiculous rate. It's a little campy. It's not the perfect film at mm. all. For some reason, they couldn't get the mask right. And it, for multiple films, they could not get the mask right for some reason. Apparently, they, during this film, the um, effects group got a, a, like a, a shipment of masks in for the film and they were all wrong. They were like literally the wrong like color it was like this weird pinkish color. The hair was like blonde or something like that. Mm. So they had to use their makeup guys to like paint the masks, and the masks turn out this like weird like pasty white color, um, you know. And the hair just seems like just a really bad wig, even more so than usual, mm. um, you know. And the eye holes feel wrong and everything like that. It's just, it does not feel like the same it character in time. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, this, the guys, there's two different actors who portray Michael here. Um, the original guy got fired um, because they wanted to change the eye holes, but they would have to like put some weird glue on the mask or something. And he's like, I'm not breathing in these toxic fumes. So they just fired him right away. So, but like he's very, like he's walking around and feels like he doesn't even have like a neck in this movie for some reason. Um, but that all being said, it still works. Um, the storyline with, you know, Michael's niece, uh, young Daniel Harris, um, she's a fantastic actress, even at that age. She's, I think she was like eight or nine at the time. But the range that Danielle Harris like shows in this movie is ridiculous. It's like they shrunk an adult down to a child's size. Because like she has a scene where she's being bullied by these kids at school and she runs off to the tree and like she's like like trying to hold it together and everything and doing like breathing techniques. It's like, oh my god, this this little girl's acting like she's in her twenties. It's insane. Um, you know, and so it's like the, what they asked of her, like, she's climbing on roofs, screaming, laughing, like, having to show this fucking enormous range, and she nails it. Um, the uh, older adopted sister um, that she has in this movie is fantastic also. Um, you know, very much in that, like, you know, cookie cutter, you know, what became cookie cutter at the time, um, Lori Strode role, you know, gotcha. very much, you know, very likable, but strong, you know, smart, you know, intelligent, which a lot of, you know, the heroines at the time were not in a lot of horror movies. So she was kind of like, you know, a breath of fresh air, if you will. Um, you know, very likable. And, you know, they just wasted her in part five. But, you know, we'll talk about that at some point down the line. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... This movie was also ballsy, though. I mean, had lots of great scares and everything. Had, you know, fun characters. Um, some great kills. But the last scene, you know, I think is what kind of stuck with me as a kid. Um, the fact, one, the fact that Michael's going after a kid. Which you didn't see too much in the other, you know, 
horror movies at the time, like mm-hmm. a lot of the big, like, you know, franchise movies like Nightmare on Elm Street well, you never and Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, very rarely did you see them go after, like, a younger child. The fact that Michael's going after this child that happens to be his niece is pretty fucked up, you know, especially, you know, I'm, like, the same age at the time, mm-hmm. you know, as, you know, Daniel Harris. Um, so that was kind of terrifying. Um, but the fact that at the end of the movie, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but they've defeated Michael Myers, you know, they basically fucking just unload a fucking arsenal. There's this crazy-ass mob that's hunting them. There's, like, you know, a couple police deputies that are left. Michael, at one point in this movie, just kills all the police officers in fucking Haddonfield. He just walks into the police station. And, you know, you don't see it on screen, but, you know, Dr. Loomis and the police chief stumble upon, you know, the police, you know, precincts, and but everyone's just dead. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of crazy mm. shit like that in this movie. So, th- they make Michael into just a fucking full-on monster in this. So, um, it, there's, so anyway, getting back to my original point, but j- after he gets, you know, taken out by this lynch mob and, you know, what's left of the police force, um, you know, Daniel Harris like has this little moment with Michael where I think they kind of like touch hands or something like that. You know, it's a little brief moment where she seems to like reach out to him and seems like, you know, he's kind of like calmed for a second. Well, we go back to like the aftermath and, you know, they're at the house and everything like that. And they're kind of collecting themselves after this huge fucked up night that they just had. And all of a sudden we're getting that, you know, classic, you know, point of view shot you know, of, you know, mm-hmm. what we got in the original film. And it's, you know, what we discover, it's, you know, the young Jamie Lloyd, you know, putting on the mask and killing her stepmother at that point, um, you know, or adopted mom, I don't know what it was. But anyway, so then you end this movie with, you know, Jamie sitting there with a fucking pair of scissors in the classic pose, in the clown costume, um, you know, just like, you know, the young Michael Myers and Loomis going fucking ape shit, like pulling out his gun and trying to take out this nine year old. It's a fucking, you know, hell of a way to end a movie. Not what, you know, even in the, you know, big, you know, like Friday 13, Nightmare on Elm Street, is that something you typically saw, you know, for them to end on that note? And it left everyone like, where the fuck are they going with this? You know, uh, you kind of knew that Michael wasn't dead, obviously. But the fact that it seemed like, you know, the evil has now, you know, possessed, yeah, yeah, to Jamie. And it's like something that's actually genetic. And like, you know, is she going to end up being the killer in the next movie? Where are we going? It didn't end up being the case. They fast-tracked um, part five after the success of the, you know, the uh, part four and everything. Because it was, it was a huge opening and everything. People were fucking primed for this movie. Um, and then it, we got a much lesser effort the next time around. Like, I think it came out, like, a year later. Um, so, it, Part 5 is a total flub in my mind. I, I could I can't stand Part 5. And, well, that, that might be on, I think we kind of talked about it last week, like, uh, the most disappointing movies we've ever seen in, mm. like, the theater. That might be on my list. <laughs> but we'll, we'll eventually talk about it. We'll so, uh, but uh, this is a movie I watch every October. Um, it's probably one of my favorite sequels in the franchise. Um, it's probably 
the second movie and you know then this movie so i i hold it in like high esteem i really do so um, like i said it's not the perfect movie at all there's definitely some cringeworthy scenes in there mm. but overall like the 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 performances by the actors and everything like i said donald pleasance i think is at his best here um you know it really carries the whole movie and everything even though michael doesn't really look like michael at all um so and he really didn't look like michael again to really the the rob zombie movie which is funny to say because even mm-hmm. at that point like the mask is all fucked up and deranged but it's finally they got the mask actually right um but yeah no if you have not seen this movie and you're a fan of halloween one what the hell are you doing to go out and see this movie you know, enjoy it for, you know, just all the Halloween films. It's on the list. And really, you know what? One reason I always revisit this movie during the season is the first, like, two minutes of this movie is, like, just the total embodiment of Halloween. It's, like, just for the credit scene, like, the title mm-hmm. scenes and everything. Um, it, just opening credits, but it's, like, all these, like, classic, really, like, weird, eerie, like, shots of, like, the Midwest during the season, you know, um, just like, you know, old vintage, like Halloween decorations and everything, but it feels like the season to me. Um, so just that like minute and a half alone, you know, makes the movie. So I, I love this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this movie? Um, I've only seen it mostly in passing, like if it was on TV or if it was just like, I've only seen bits and pieces. Yeah, like, I've AMC seen the end. plays the shit out of this movie mm-hmm. during the season, so... Um, I've seen her taking up the mantle and everything, but yes, yes, I haven't seen it like in one whole setting. Sit back and enjoy it. I'm sure. I'll, <laughs> like I said, I saw this movie when I was like ten years old in the theaters. It was another one of those situations. It was a sleepover. I did not get a wink of fucking sleep that <laughs> night. So there was a lot of moments like that mm. that year. So, um, but man, what a way to really get introduced to fucking horror movies in the theater. So, um. Check this movie out. Yes. Uh, hey there, nerds. Uh, it's, it's your old pal, Brewster Bonesaw. Uh, well, you don't really know me, but uh, I've been watching you uh, through your window when you're alone at night. And I know you are desperately in need of a fun night out with some friends, so I'm here to help you out with that. Why don't you come hang out with me and my friends at the Lost Souls Haunted House bus tour? We'll be visiting all the top haunted houses in the Chicagoland area in our luxury buses provided by Reggie's Rock House. We got four nights of, of tours featuring three haunted houses each night. I'll be providing entertainment. We got a cash bar. We'll have raffles and prizes and music to your nerdy ears. Everybody gets a swag bag. We got instant in access at every haunt. That means we don't wait in lines. And for you Halloween and horror nerds, most of our tours end with lights on tours of the haunted houses. The only way you can get closer access to a haunted house would be to work there. And we can help you with that too. So, so book your tour with Lost Souls by visiting our website at lostsoulschicago.com. Enter promo code NERDSHOW for $10 off your tickets. Now accessing comics. All right, Christian, let's take a little break from our movie reviews um, and let's talk some comics. Yeah. We don't have much to talk about this week, right? <laughs> Not too much. A little bit of DC to talk about, but on the Marvel side, it was it was kind of on the weaker side. It was slim pickings, if yes. you will. So um, I'm sure it won't be the case next week, but let's talk some DC. Mm. Uh, we got Justice League number nine. All right. And it's that time where we try to read <laughs> the DC blurb. 
Let's see what we got this week. Ah, oh, Jesus. The Road to Drown Earth. Superman and Batman can't agree on how to put back the moon. You know, the one that went missing in issue number one? I hate this fucking guy. I really do. I like to punch him. It all face. feels like it's <laughs> one guy, too, for every single blurb. He's just totally like that snarky <laughs> fucking asshole in the office no one likes, so they give him all the blurbs to write. Um, on the other hand, Wonder Woman and Aquaman have faith in each other, working together on a new addition to the Hall of Justice. Martian Manhunter takes Hawkgirl under his wing to test the limits of her recently broken wings, and Flash and Green Lantern get up to some hijinks in halls in the hall's cafeteria. Can you say super food fight? No, I can't because that did not happen. There's no fucking food fight no. in the cafeteria. Anyway, so um, this was definitely more of a character building piece than anything. Yes. It feels um, like in between arcs where it's, it just kind of it's filler for sure. It's like um, well. It's just kind of, I feel like I, it's I say that in the, vein, the board. Yes, I say that in the vein of like I watch a lot of anime. Okay, so like they'll have an episode that's like just completely outside the story arc. That's mm-hmm. just filler, just to give a little focus on the characters. That's not just anime. anime. I mean, you're watching Iron Fist right now. I'm play- the first season. There was plenty of episodes. Well, yes, like that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a big trope. Yes, trope. yes, right. Yes. So okay, that's what I would consider filler. It's just kind of like um. What did you think overall? You know, there's a lot of parts I do like, and there's a lot of parts I don't like. And it's... The whole moon scene at the end was... The whole moon scene going throughout the entire thing. I was like, what? I feel like that takes away the, like, I don't know, the the heaviness of them making that decision to blow up the moon by having Superman just so quickly put it all back together. Yeah, what the hell's he doing with, like, it's like some weird threads, like, hanging down from it? Like, how the fuck is this happening? What... I think that's just supposed to show his speed. Like, is that what it was? Because like that's was... the that's the assumption I was making. It was he's okay. just going super fast. Oh, well, space. that wasn't rendered very well then. Because I, I know my comic books, and that did not feel like that to <laughs> me at all. I hope there isn't some magic tether oh, that he's knows? using. To Jesus Christ, who knows? Um, what did you think about the dialogue between Superman and Batman? Batman's like laid up. He's getting kind of worked on by Alfred. You know, going through some therapy, it seems like, um, and you know, Superman crazy like laser machine. I don't know what the body, but uh, Superman's out there repairing the moon. Batman's kind of trying to convince Superman. And I don't know if it's like because I've just read like fifty issues of Batman, but this did not feel like Batman to me whatsoever. I felt like a childish character, almost like this whole story was tongue in cheek. Yeah, it definitely felt that like it wasn't taking itself too seriously i mean just the the cafeteria scene alone you know but the fact that batman literally said what about a bat moon that yeah Mm. yeah i agree (laughs) it's like okay so batman's basically trying to convince superman to do something more to the moon to like basically weaponize the moon it seems like and superman's like no i'm just gonna put this moon back the way it was so um and that's kind of them going back and forth but Batman is going to actually go about trying to get what he wants by tricking Superman by sending these creatures out after him. That are from, like, outside the wall of everything. Like, what the fuck is going He has a special (laughs) signal that can bring them in and also get rid of them. That's a little over the line, I feel like. Right? I don't know. Superman's onto him the entire time, I guess, but... I mean, I feel like 
that's Batman crossing a line. Like, it feels very super villainish. Mm-hmm. It feels like something Lex would do, not something Bruce would do. So that threw me off a little, you know, and you know, Superman calls him on it at the end of the issue. and But like, he's like, he's almost doing it in like, I'm just shrugging it off type of manner the entire time. Like, I, I know I'm not in actual danger. But, but the fact that fine. he's trying to manipulate, yeah, you would think he'd be a little more angry about yes. it, right? <laughs> You're trying to manipulate me to mm-hmm. weaponize the fucking moon, Bruce. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I, just, I don't think it would work that way. Either way, just, I'm, I'm still not over him. Just grabbing pieces of the moon and putting yeah. it back together. <laughs> He's Superman, man. He does whatever the fuck he wants. So, whatever. But anyway, uh, what did you think about the interactions between uh, Green Lantern and Flash? Um, I think it was a nice little tender moment where it's, you know, Green Lantern doesn't know, you know, what he, you know, he has this unexplainable ring. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand where like, kind of his place is right now, especially with all the forces in the universe. And then you have, you know, uh, Flash, who's also been dealing with the same kind of situation, now discovering the still force, um, just kind of like reassuring him, you know, fuck it, we're, we're both in this, we're both learning, science has changed, yeah. the world has changed. And so I felt that was an okay story element, because it's kind of like explaining, you know, we're going to be going up against a whole new level of physics and science. And yeah. What whatever comes next, yes. if you will, because yeah, Green Lantern's also talking. You know, John's talking about the fact that you know he's used to having everything very regimented. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding exactly who he is. You know how his powers work and everything. And the fact that he has this unexplained ring on him now and doesn't necessarily understand mm-hmm. how his powers work anymore, or why they work the way they work. Um, you know, is completely like throwing a curve for him. So. And Flash is, you know, in the same boat, but obviously he's taking a little better than John is. So, um, but I think he was a little bitchy about his burger not being exactly from the restaurant. I mean, it's, <laughs> you have this special alien who can make anything, recreate anything, but just because it's not exactly from the place. I don't mind that moment, though. It's kind of feels it's nice, John, you yeah, know, right. like he can tell. You know, that it's not the same, so... It's fine. And, you know, and obviously, that was the whole point of, mm. you know, it's supposed to parallel... Didn't get to eat it, either. No. <laughs> <laughs> they got called away quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. What about uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman's interaction? It was odd. I mean, I like them explaining, like, maybe she's distracted right now. Like, um, the whole conversation is about... Um, why Wonder Woman hasn't put together her own, like, area of the Hall of Justice. Yeah, yeah, and then we kind of got to see all their rooms, which Mm -hmm. is a little weird. You know, they were kind of going through, like, everyone, oh, this is Flash's space, this is, you know, John's space, and it's literally a cot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I was like, okay, well, I didn't realize they actually had, like, like, room and board in the Hall of Justice. I guess. Which is completely open to the public Mm -hmm. also. Um, You know, so I, I don't know, it, Felt a little hokey, but, you know, I was okay with it. It was still fun. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I Do you feel like they're hinting at, like, a Aquaman-Wonder Woman-like relationship? Um, I definitely felt that in the last arc, and mm-hmm. by the end, because of the way that they've been working together and stuff, which is fine. I'm just not, I don't feel any kind of chemistry whatsoever between the two characters for some reason. You know, I don't know if it's just, you know, what I've known of the characters in the past. Hmm. They're going to have to do more for, for them to sell me on Well, do you think it's them, like, doing almost precursors to Flashpoint? What do you mean? 
just with with uh, how because they had a relationship in Flashpoint, correct? Do they? I don't remember. I, I think they were like married at one point and got and separated. <laughs> like at least in the Flashpoint cartoon, they was like that big element of them having to bring peace between their two nations and stuff. Okay, I never and, I saw mean, that. We, was it good? The Flashpoint. Uh... Oh yeah, I loved it. Really? Okay. I think it's one of the better um, animated things that they put out, and that I mean they DC put out usually good crushes stuff, their but... animated shit. So mm. I'm not surprised. So um, maybe so you think that could be? I mean, they've had talks about like they keep talking about each of their like realms that they're from and everything, but I don't know. They definitely have a lot of things in common. You mm. know, they're both technically royalties, so it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, they're not really accustomed to like you know. I don't know. They're not, you know, your regular, you know, humans, if you will. Mm. So and there's a lot going on with Wonder Woman right now. So it's kind of an interesting time for her. Yeah, yeah. So she might be looking for some, you know, Aquaman to lean on, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> some Aqua love. Um, all right. I don't know. I'm just not buying it, though. I'm mm. just not buying it. So Snyder's going to have to do a little more to sell me. But that's just me. Uh, what about uh, Martian Manhunter and Hawk Girls? Little um, oh, did you know? Um, hmm. Because yeah, she's asking whether or not he actually realized yeah. that the totality was linked to her some way, and that like is that why he sent her in? Also, well, he explains that that is no, but I don't remember her response to that. It feels like she believes him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe him, though? I believe him. Really? I feel like he didn't know jack yeah, shit about that. sneaky Martian. I don't know. <laughs> 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 so, I don't know. I don't know. We can't um, be specious against Martians. <laughs> specious? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> He's a fictional character. Um, but anyway, so, but he, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I think it'd be interesting if he did know. Mm. You know, that'd definitely be interesting. But they didn't know. They don't tease it. They don't, yeah, they don't tease it at all. He did have a bunch of visions, though, you know, in that first, you know, issue. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he somehow knew or something like that. If mm. it comes out. But, I don't know. I, I, I did enjoy the interaction here. Like I said, this is very much like a character building issue. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought it was I thought it was good for the team's chemistry, at least you know, to, and, and it like it set the board, you know, for the next arc. So, I mean, I would have liked some like. Meanwhile, the villains are out doing this or something. Yeah, we didn't get any but... of that whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. But we've had so much of the villains the last, you know, the first arc really. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they really carried those books. If you look at, I don't it. understand like. So they know that Poseidon's been killed, but everything's fine. There's like they know he's di- he's disappeared. I don't think they know that he's oh, dead. Okay. So, um, and I guess that's what next issue is. You know, th- this seems like it really happens in like you know twenty minute period. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman's just that much of a badass that you can put the moon together that quickly. But it does end with that cheesy moment with them all coming and gathering together and, you know, seeing the moon in all of its glory. Yes. You know, um, yeah, which was a little bit much. But, you know, overall, I thought it was a good issue. I enjoyed it. So it was a quick read, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had so much other stuff to cover. I was <laughs> <with that. laughs> it's like, thank you, Snyder. <laughs> 
Anyway, so what what did you read, my friend? I did not read the Justice League Dark miniseries that's going on. Well, no, that's still, that's a full book. That was just like um, so far. That was three issues of the arc so far. Or okay, three, no, well, this this no, but this book. That you're oh, this talk is, about is um, Wonder Woman and Justice League: The Witching Hour, an event, pretty much. That's the full title. Yes. They couldn't just call it the Witching Hour. No. Okay, fine. Or just Wonder Woman Witching Hour or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the story focuses around her, but let's get into it. Uh, Just in time for Halloween, it's the Witching Hour, a five-part weekly event that will rewrite um, the future of DC's magical heroes. I do not know how to pronounce the witch goddess's name properly. That's fine. It's, it's, I I like, I keep saying Hikate in my head. It's H-E-C-A-T-E. I'm sure no one knows. Or he Kate or something like that. Until they like hit the big screen. Could be anything. So <laughs> anyways, Go the witch it. goddess of magic always knew a day would come when the monster she stole her magic from would return. Now she must activate the witch marked humans within whom she secret um, secreted vast stores of power. And the so most power <laughs> most powerful of the witch marks Wonder Woman. So, this goddess... I have no idea what the hell you just said to me. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. Go ahead, Christian. Well, last week we talked about Justice League Dark. Yes, we did. Um, We talked about how she has all this power inside of her all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And she got that power by um, sneaking and watching these witches perform a ritual. Um, So this is a direct tie into that storyline? Okay. Um, So she was branded on her forehead, the... The mark of this witch goddess. And what we get at the beginning of this, uh, we have her as a child talking to, explaining what happened to her mom. And, you know, the mom um, confronts the witches. You know, at first it seems fine because the witches are all like, the child, you know, had a, had a bad dream. That's all. Uh, we found her um, knocked out in a tree. And that's all that happened. Um, Diana goes leaves the area and the mom turns to them and is like, now that we've done making my daughter feel good, what did you really do? And she starts like accusing them of like witchcraft and everything and then the witch goddess appears and pretty much obliterates them saying like, you didn't sacrifice enough for me. And um, after whispering something into um, uh, Diana's mom um, it drove me nuts because it's such small font and it's on purpose that you can't read what it says. And I don't know. Uh, Do you think it was, actually says something? I feel like it says something. I don't know if it's just because I was reading a digital copy and I couldn't zoom in any further. I was trying, damn it. I was trying <laughs> real hard to like read what this says. They don't says. want you to read it. I know. To <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then when we get back into the uh, here, we have um, basically Justice League Dark going to the regular Justice League and trying to explain, man, magic's getting fucked up and the world's going to die because of it. Okay. Which is um, pretty much where we left. Yes. Right. Last um, Batman, of course, is like, okay, why? How? What do we need to do? You know, starts trying to formulate. Oh, it's another thing. I'm sorry. In Justice League, Justice League Dark is like in the basement of the Halls yeah. of Justice. <laughs> That's really a thing. That you go to the basement. You're not full members. <laughs> And this one, it seems like so, it's like right before, like, I, these seem like they're going on at the exact same time, which is weird. Okay. Like how one is written is like, 
okay, I'm going to go ask them about getting a room. And then and the Justice League is like, yeah, they have a room in the basement. So it's like, okay. All right. But they're okay. also talking about her having... It's like... So is there lots of interaction with, like, Batman and stuff in this book? Well, at, for, at the start. So the whole team is, like, freaking out because Diana actually seems, like, terrified. And Batman makes a point to um, say, like, you know, I've seen her go up against gods, all these monsters and everything. I've never seen her shaken. Yeah. You better believe you'd be fucking scared exactly. if Wonder Woman's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you better be scared. Um, they're also freaked out by the fact that um, Dr. Fate is being controlled by um, Nobu. Okay. Uh, they're like, the most powerful sorcerer in the world is now evil. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah. So they're all freaking out, and this is like a big point, because um, Diana holds the fact that she has this power inside her. She refuses to tell them. Like um, She explains to them, yeah, we just pushed back um, the Upside Down Man, and that's how it happened. And they're like, well, how'd you do it? How'd you push it back? She specifically holds the information. Uh, Batman tries to get out of Zatanna. Zatanna's like, I'm trying to build trust with her. Don't make me do this right now. Um, and they leave it at that. So Justice League Dark is now um, going downstairs. They're like, okay, we got to figure out what we need to do to deal with um, everything that's happening. And what we get is the goddess is apparently activating her powers across like all the all the world like basically she's getting the power out of these people that she put the uh marks on okay and at the same time she's also doing that same whisper to everyone on earth so that they cannot see what she's doing like they're trying to she's blinding all normal people to the magical realm okay um and you see that at the justice league table she completely blinds all the justice league members okay so at first they're talking about like, okay, what do we need to do to help Wonder Woman? And then they go back to talking about just mundane things. Okay. Interesting. Um, so powerful witch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly powerful. So she then approaches Wonder Woman trying to get the power out of her. Um, she gets all lit up, activated and everything, but um, they're fighting her off. And mm-hmm. um, Bobo the Ship tries to get... Uh, Tries to get the Justice League involved. He's screaming at them and they're completely ignoring him. Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're completely ignoring him. So this is at the Halls of Justice. Yes. And the Justice League is just sitting around the table meeting and all this. this Talking about someone complaining about guard duty. That's That's about it. Okay. Um, And yeah, so basically Wonder Woman's getting the power almost taken from her. And that's kind of where we leave off. So what did you think overall? Um, I think this is a very interesting way to take this. I'm 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 liking seeing Wonder Woman in this situation. You know, um, this is terrifying if it's from Wonder Woman, and it's uh, I love the look of the um, the goddess, the witch goddess. She's like three witches all combined into one, mm. and they keep showing like her past with the um, ritual where they had the other witches combining into one person. So it's very like. Didn't like, so the last issue of Justice League Dark really set this up. Yes. Well, that was something that happened, right? Mm-hmm. In the last issue. This, this is basically just follows so up So why completely. could this story be told in Justice League Dark? I don't know. You know they're unless they they're telling a, you they crossed three books, which doesn't make any sense. Are they, they're really just trying to get you to read Justice League Dark. So is Justice League Dark directly tying into this book? Is that Are they part of this story arc? Yeah, everything is completely series? has to do with what happened in Justice League No, but League. I'm saying, like, is there... A, 
oh, Justice yeah. League Dark issue that will be like yes a part of this. It's Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Justice League Dark, and Justice League Dark. Okay, okay, all right. So, but worthwhile picking up if you're a fan. So of far, Justice and um, you can even pick up from here, and it, it explains everything that just happened in the last three issues. DC's doing a smart thing by having Wonder Woman like part of the mm-hmm. series because I feel like it'll draw a lot more eyes, you know, on these other characters and everything. So, you know, it's pretty smart on their point. Yes. Um, I forgot at the end, Bobo had apparently, <laughs> uh, Bobo had apparently installed the door to his bar, um, and earlier on we saw that the bar had a bunch of the witches that had been marked in it, and um, she just obliterated them all. Um, While Constantine was there, Constantine watched it all happen. Uh-huh. Um, that's how this issue ends, is they escape to the bar um, with Wonder Woman, and they see Constantine just sitting there drinking. Uh, Constantine just randomly kisses Zatanna. Zatanna's like, why'd you do that? He's like, well, can't you see? This is the end of the world. We're all about to die. It's my last chance to do this. Oh, wow. And that's how the issue ends. Well, that's better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's been very blunt through all these experiences, which I always love him for, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, okay. Well, maybe eventually I'll pick it up. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But it's an enjoyable book. Uh, I definitely say that. As long as that fucking chimp's part of it, I'm uh. not picking up. <laughs> He's a very small part of it. I know, I know. Yeah, I probably would have. It focuses on Zaytana and Wonder Woman, pretty much. Is he thing. basically. He's comedic relief. But is he, is he DC's version of, like, Rocket? If Rocket was more alcoholic and less shooty. Less shooty. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I'll take that. All right. So, is that it for comics? Yeah. That's it for comics. Light week. Wow. But we do have a comic book movie to talk about, Damon. Do we? Yes. <laughs> I'm bored to read for you before we, we, we dive into this film. All right. That's All a masterpiece, right. I would say. If we have to. <laughs> uh, journalists. <That's> foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> they know us by now. Uh, if they've listened to our wrestling, they, they know where this is going. Um, journalist Eddie Brock is trying to take down Carlton Drake, the notorious and brilliant founder of the Life Foundation. While investigating one of Drake's experiments, Eddie's body merges with the alien venom, leaving him with superhuman strength and power. Twisted, dark, and fueled by rage, Venom tries to control the new and dangerous abilities that Eddie finds so intoxicating. Man, that sounds... I want to see that movie, right? (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) That's not the movie we got. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian, how did you feel about this movie? Um... It's not not Venom. (laughs) Let me just put it that way. That's... It's the two things I've been saying to people. It's a very good attempt at a bad movie. And then it's also, it's not them. A good attempt at a bad movie. Okay. <laughs> um, it's an enjoyable bad movie. Is it? So did you enjoy the movie? No. <laughs> let, let, me, let me put it this way. At the end of the movie, I went I went and saw it with my girlfriend, right? Okay. At the end of the movie, she wants to have a conversation about it. She wants to, you know, that's what you do. You see a movie, you want to yeah. talk about what happened. I was speechless. I didn't know what to fucking say. Because mm-hmm. just I, I didn't know where this film 
went at all worth anything. There was no point for me to care about any of the characters. There was no point for me to care about the villain. No point for me to care about the conflict between them. No no care for when there's a moment where Venom disappears and goes into um, uh, Eddie Brock's ex-wife. And there's a weird relationship that they just randomly grow. And he falls in love with her. The Venom suit falls in love with her for a moment. And then transfers back to... It's just, there's so much that goes on, yet so little to care about. And if I could see going into this as someone who doesn't read comics, who isn't interested in, in like, the overarching thing. Who doesn't know the character, yeah. Doesn't know the character. Maybe I could just fall in love with a... Not in love. I could enjoy just a stupid, dumb film in front of me. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, this is just a dumb movie. It is. I agree. It's, it's not well thought out. It's not well planned out. There's no menace. There's there's not even a reason to consider this guy an anti-hero, I feel, at points. It's just... No. There's no, like, I'm a hero. There's no, I'm not a hero. And that's that's another thing. That's the trademark of this film is, you know, uh, we don't need any more heroes. And they don't do anything with that. Yeah, that's right. Because they are really like they martyr around the fact that he's an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left completely speechless, and I don't like even now when people ask me how do I feel about the film, as I I'm so conflicted because I don't know what to say. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to give it something because it's all my worst fears, <laughs> you know, thrown oh. up there on the screen for God what felt like for what it was like two hours it felt like it was old like it was bloated like it for me bloated. i actually felt like this was an hour like really? i like the movie flew by in my mind yeah it's really like the fast food of like you know mm. cinematic experiences but it was two hours and it felt like two hours to me. once i realized what the movie was it felt long to me so um i it literally during like one of the big like the chase scene um, through the you know uh, San Francisco um, at night, um, everything takes place at night. Mm. You know all the action scenes, which you know Venom is a you know uh, this giant you know black you know alien symbiote you know that you want to see you know mm. in the daylight you know like it, it's like pure glory and you know they shoot the whole thing at night. So I felt at times too like the the effects looked murky um, to me. But anyways, uh, I almost fell asleep during like that giant action sequence. Just I felt like they weren't offering anything that you had the smoke screen scene or what the chase where he's on the bike. Oh, okay. And everything. Um, I just uh, like the action didn't even work for me. You know, because I could at least I I can't even say at least deal with, but I I could understand the point of the movie if it was just you know supposed to be a good like action flick. Mm. You know where it just happened to have the superhero property that we own that we want to, like, you know, throw this fun, you know, mindless action movie around. Fine. I would hate it, but I could deal with it. Um, you know, they weren't showing us anything that we haven't seen before, mm. though. Um, it, it, the movie on a whole, it just, I mean, it bored me. I was bored with it. It felt like it was from, like, the late 80s. You know, like, if they had the ability to do the effects that they do now, 
Um, just like how studios didn't really take comics like seriously mm-hmm. at that point. Um, you know, uh, it, it felt that way to me. Like, it, like, like they haven't seen, you know, like another like superhero movie before. Um, you know, it wasn't like at the level of like Catwoman or anything, <laughs> but it was on par at least with that. To me, it felt like it gutted the essence of who Eddie Brock mm. was, who that character is, completely. Like, and they sacrificed that story just for a fun, mindless flick that was not really that fun. <laughs> um, you know, Eddie Brock's a complex character, and, you know, his arc is fantastic. It's one of the better, you know villain arcs in you know the spider-man universe um there's so much potential there for a great film um this movie could have been such a different movie um in the right hands um so i I had a lot of fears going into this movie Mm -hmm. and they all came true pretty much um but even more so than i expected like i had low expectations you know we talked off mic about this movie I, I really was not expecting much. I, I was hoping to be surprised, you know, because I want to love these movies. Mm. You know, I'm not paying money to see a movie I fucking hate or I think I'm going to hate, um, you know, and I love the character. And it, man, this movie just shit all over it. It really did. It did no justice to that character. Um, I enjoyed uh, Tom Hardy, like the first, like, 30 minutes of mm-hmm. the film. I think the first 20 minutes you could like, especially if you hadn't told me anything before I went to see because you came back and like told me that you weren't a fan of it at the time. Uh-huh. Like if I didn't, if I, I could start to like it, but then once it starts building up, once we start getting Venom, it's just... There was definitely potential like, there. I mean, mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is very likable as Eddie Brock. I mean, it's not the Eddie Brock that, you know, I was introduced to, you know, as a kid. Um, but he's very likable. And you could see yourself falling in love with, you know, this relationship mm-hmm. between, like, Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams uh, characters. Um, but that being said, after that first, like, 20, 30 minutes, it just goes downhill fast. Like, right when, like, the symbiote is, like, introduced into the, like, movie, once Eddie, you know, becomes possessed by it, I felt like the movie just, you know, went downhill fast. Um, like, I just didn't care about this movie. It became, like, this bad, like, buddy cop, like, comedy, almost. Um, it just, it didn't work at all for me. Um, you know, and I know we're just talking in broad strokes right now. Um, but, you know, it felt like the villain was one-dimensional. I mean, I know that actor. That actor can act. Um, I felt like they could have really, like, you know, added some depth to that character and, you know, make sense out of them. Because you basically have this, like, mad scientist character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's doing these great things. He's trying to cure cancer, you know, using these symbiotes. But he's such a bastard that you don't care. And there isn't that kind of, like, you know... You know, the villains that I enjoy are the villains that feel like they're in the right. 
This guy just seemed like an evil prick. He felt so mm-hmm. cookie cutter, you know. If he had, like, you expect him to have, like, a mustache and to be, like, twirling it, you know, well, at the just, end of every one of his scenes. I think there was just not, too, there was too, too little of every direction that they could have gone in with this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, is he the businessman or is he the mad scientist or is he, like, they give you a little bit of each thing and it, it watered him down even further. Yeah, not enough of anything. Yeah, right. Uh, it wasn't too much to really get behind with him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like, I would have liked to have seen him, or... He was just one-dimensional. Like, we've seen this villain, mm-hmm. you know, like, it just felt like the villain of the week on, like, a bad TV show. Yeah. So, um, it just, I mean, it's unfortunate. Like, I don't, I don't know what they were going for. I, I, I so much of Venom is tied into Spider-Man. I feel like there was a way to do this movie without having it be so like Spider-Man centric, but still having it kind of loosely tied into Spider-Man at the same time mm. in making sense of his arc. Um, you could have had, you know, basically the whole Sin Eater, you know, um, storyline happen and have Spider-Man kind of cost him his career, but then kind of have like Eddie on this like road to redemption, you know, um, where, you know, Spider-Man doesn't necessarily have to be involved. He could have just been, like, you know, a good, like, you know, be, like, in the first two minutes of the film, you know, and it would have at least qualified, you know, this character's arc. Um, what makes Eddie Brock work, you know, especially during the whole, like, you know, storyline where he becomes an anti-hero mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the Marvel Universe in the books... Um, is the fact that he's gone through this, like, villain arc, and he is on this road to redemption, and he's this complex character who does want to do right, but just keeps on making these horrible choices for himself. Um, they gutted anything that was interesting about this character. Um, it just, it, it was, and it felt like it was just for laughs, mm-hmm. and not very good ones. It didn't make any sense. They kind of went really strong on the haha. Like, halfway through this movie, once he gets the symbiote, and, like, they start, like, you know, conversing back and forth. Like, I was surprised on how much they were going back and forth. Um, You know, I thought it was going to be, like, in the books, there's, like, this subconscious, like, conversation happening, but not like this. Like, Mm -hmm. this is so on the nose, so heavy-handed the way they did it. Um, And their motives don't make any sense here. Like, I don't understand... The symbiotes. Like, Everything is left open. Yes. Everything is... Like, um, you're pretty much led to believe that the reason he wants to stay on this planet is, you know... And he, he falls in love with it immediately when he sees the skyline. And then everything from there, he's like, oh, I really like it here. I don't get to be... I'm not a loser here. Um, which is Those moments like, just aren't earned, though. Like, they yes, just, like, they're not. happen. Like, and they're, like, literally in the middle of, like, a, a fight scene... And, like, he, like, declares, like, he's staying here and that he likes Eddie now. So, but, like, you never see mm-hmm. that moment actually, like, take place where you kind of see it building to that. It just, you know, it's stated and then that's that. Like, even with this blurb, I like the, the use of the word intoxicating because I'm like, I would like to see that where it's both of them, you know, intoxicated by what they're, what they're doing, what... And like, their potential the power together. Of each other. Exactly. And build, like even if you're having them talk to each other throughout this film, Tom Hardy's the kind of actor that could pull that off 
where he's dealing with this thing in his head and he was doing a good job of it but at the same time it's it's what we were getting from venom the the jokes the um just the the lameness of it all yes of like i'm just very, a loser from my planet so i i want to stay here it felt very mid-90s mm. like action movie-esque like with all the bad like one-liners and just punchlines that didn't land at all um, I feel like there's a much better movie, like version of this movie out there, <laughs> um, you know, and I, it just, it doesn't make sense. I, I like, it was two hours long and I felt like there was no story to this at all. Um, it was just sequences tied together by bad action, you know, mm-hmm. you know, scenes. It really did feel that way to me. Um, you know, I, it, I just feel like it could have been something like you were saying, like him intoxicated by this power and him kind of like trying to like battle and get control of himself and not like fall in fall for the symbiote because mm-hmm. that happens in the Marvel books, you know, where like, you know, Peter at first is kind of trying to like battle, you know, um, for control with the symbiote and like, you know, then Eddie is kind of, you know, on the same thing until they finally come to peace with each other. Um, it, it's almost like this, like, Dr. Jekyll, like, Mr. Hyde, you know, thing going mm. on. This did not feel that way at all, you know. They come to peace right away, it feels like. I'm like, okay, well, you know, and then there's this guy, Riot, who's going to destroy your world. And, like, I was like, wait, where is this coming well, from? And- it, drew me, it drove me nuts how easy Eddie was just, like, accepting that, okay, there's an alien that took over my body, and I'm just going to listen to whatever it tells me to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the moment he starts saying, I'm in control now, I'm the boss, yeah. which which was almost okay because it was like, okay, Venom's trying to be a badass here in yeah. some form, but it never elaborates. It just immediately falls apart because just he's... too on the nose, so I don't need to hear it saying that. I know. You know? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I felt like the effects at times, too, like the CGI in this movie was definitely a CGI movie. That I felt like they weren't pulled off. Like I felt like they were too like crisp at times. Mm. Um, I would say because I ended up seeing it in 3D. Everything like they make sure that everything stands out more in 3D. Mm-hmm. So everything was more well mixed. Like the, no, the normal footage I definitely think was more out of focus. So you were only focusing on the mm-hmm. CGI at yeah. all times. So I couldn't see the oh, disparity okay. as you did. Oh that's a good point. But, yeah. Yeah, it did feel too, you know, I don't know, too polished at times. Um, it, uh, some shots were fantastic. Some shots looked great. Mm. And then other shots, it felt like, I don't know, they ran out of money or something almost. Um, it, I don't know. It, it, or they just didn't have enough time to pull off what they were trying to pull off. Um, like I said, like especially like the night, like all the night scenes, um, you know, like I... There's the one shot that's floating around right now with him like on the roof of the building. Have you seen that? And it's it's actually like literally from off a panel like that McFarlane did, um, you know, in his original run with the character. Um, It's a really nice shot, but the fact that it's at night, it really kind of takes away and it makes the the, the CGI just looks very Mm. muddy, you know. Um, I don't know. Man, this movie... And like the ending of the movie, and God, do we see spoilers? Just spoilers all I mean, over yes. the place. <laughs> um, with like Michelle Williams' character showing up to like the space station or the launch site, and mm-hmm. you know, like she figures out the one dial, 
you know, will make a loud noise during a rocket launch, mm. which has to be incredibly loud from the get-go. <laughs> like, what's this dial on this console that does this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, it, it's so convenient. So I mean, that ridiculous. whole fight is ridiculous. <coughs> and there's no weight to it because, like, even, like, all it is is them combining into each other the entire so time. So you can't even tell what Visually, going it's, on. like, it's, it's gross and... Is <laughs> I don't know. I would I would have rather seen some like hard hitting at this point. Like, but no, it's just like we're just melding into each other the entire time. And then there's no reason for Venom to be. And alive I just don't care. At the end of the film, that's either. the problem. I don't care. <laughs> she literally turned up a dial, and that yes. defeated your villain. You know. I mean, they seem very easily like they're too like in the book. That is the thing. You know, the, mm. the high frequencies fucks with the symbiote. That's a thing. But it's way too easily done in this movie. Like, they use the MRI machine to, like, you know, basically detach the symbiote, mm-hmm. you know, at one point in the movie. Real fucking easy. Yes! Right? It I was like, comes off. Honestly, I'm like, we'll bring on this invasion because we can obviously take you out very quickly. <laughs> So, uh, you know, they, they figure out how to, you know, detach, you know, Venom from Eddie, like, mm-hmm. within, like, a minute in the film. So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I like I said, that first, like, 20 minutes, I felt like they had something um, that would at least be passable for me. I would have enjoyed this incarnation of who Eddie Brock mm-hmm. is, but it would have been doable in, like, I don't know, at least entertaining because, you know, Tom Hardy's just a fantastic actor, you know, and he's very likable as Eddie Brock. Just what he was given, you know, script-wise, is just fucking hot garbage. Mm. There's no way around it. Um, I feel like this was the worst movie I've seen this year. You know, Mm. easily Mm. um, the worst movie I've seen. There was not one moment where I was, like, just into this movie. Um, very disappointing. And I went into this movie with low expectations. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. You know, I mean, it's doing fantastic. You know, I mean, the critics hate it, but I mean, it's making all the money right now. So, you know, you're probably going to get a sequel. Hear. I know. I know. Because I don't want to see that sequel whatsoever. I don't either. My God, I don't either. That goofy fucking This didn't even and... feel like it was in the same universe as, like, Spider-Man either. Like, what we got with the Spider-Man film. It felt like it was more in the universe of, like, the amazing Spider-Man films. Like, it, it felt so out of place. I, could, I guess I get that. You know? At the same time, I, I, I wouldn't be, like thrown off and they said that this was still technically but well, they I, are saying it is technically part of this the, the spider-man universe i haven't seen disney side well disney's not gonna say it but sony <laughs> exactly sony's pushing i guess did they have any kind of nods to not them? really they i mean they were in san francisco they could have easily made an ant-man nod or well something. they used uh jameson they used jonah's son as one of the astronauts in the very beginning of the film which is actually very, very much how the comic books work. Mm-hmm. They actually, it's more of like the 90s yeah, uh, cartoon. Uh, did they say he was officially dead? I don't think he officially died. I think everyone's supposed to be dead on that well, ship. Well, he, he was in the ambulance who um, uh, took the uh, body. So, fine. 
So, but I don't know. Anyway, regardless, they uh, they did use him, but Jameson hasn't popped up in the you know the new Spider-Man films yet. So he's not in um, Homecoming or anything mm-hmm. like that. So we have, we haven't gotten there yet. So, um, but it was very much the '90s origin of Venom, like the '90s cartoon origin mm-hmm. of Venom, which I was fine with. I thought that was cool, um, and probably one of the reasons why I actually enjoyed, you know, the first. 20 minutes of the film i actually liked the you know how uh the symbiote like attached itself to you know the ambulance driver and you know was walking off and everything Mm. you kind of saw like repairing you know the compound fracture she had and everything i thought that was pretty neat but other than that man jesus christ this film just took a nosedive for me quickly (laughs) um man i don't know And now we've got, what, a Morbius movie coming out by Sony. We're going to get more, like, Spider-Verse films. You know, um, you know they were, that the big rumor was the Silver and Black one. You know, that feels like it's been kind of canned. Yeah, that's canned. That's done. Um, but we definitely have, you know, Jared Leto attached to the Morbius one. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward at all no. to that movie. You know, this feels like they picked up a script that they had you know, during the whole amazing, you know, Spider-Man, you know, run and just went with that, you know, after the success of, you know, Homecoming, they're like, all right, let's make our Venom movie now. You know, it just truly disappointing. Uh, And I enjoyed those amazing Spider-Man movies a lot more than I enjoyed this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot more. So, um, yeah. Uh, Christian, rate this movie. Um, I'll give it a one and a half. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Out of five, right? We're, we're, we're yeah. on five scale. Uh, I'll give let, it a one. Here, I'll give it a no, one. No, I'm going to give it a one. All no, right. I just you can't give it a one. I'm going to give it a one because of okay. the after credits. Oh my God, we didn't talk the after yes. credits. What the fuck was on fucking Woody Harrelson's head? I don't know. That was like the worst fucking wig I've ever the seen. The worst decision. Oh, oh my god. The line is so cheesy as well. Oh god. Like I was I was okay with him like being like, can we get past the whole psycho killer thing? But I thought that was fun. Yeah, that was a And gr- then But I started laughing right away when they showed him and he had that thing on his fucking head, that wig. Mm. What what the hell kind of choice was that? He didn't need to be like I mean Cletus Cassidy being a redhead isn't such a big part of the character that you needed to put that fucking thing on his head. Uh-huh. It, it just made no sense. And it just felt like, once again, it felt like it belonged in, like... On Sideshow Sh- Bob's head? Yes. Yes. One of, like, Schumacher's <laughs> Batman movies. Like, oh, you know, villains. Like, that, that. Like that's the kind of choice he would have made. You know, like Batman and Robin. Mm. Like, it was just horrible. Like, once again, not taking your source material seriously. You know? These are made. This movie was made by someone who could give a shit about the comic books. That's what I felt like, you know. Obviously, well, this was a it, cash grab. Yes, plain and simple. You know, and it's disappointing because mm. I feel like in the right hands, this would be a fantastic movie, um, and there is definitely potential. I mean, you read that blurb and it's like, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing that movie. Mm. But then you get the finished product and you're like, holy shit! Give me that last two hours <laughs> back of my life. Um, I know you didn't stay for the after after credits. No, I did not. Were uh, there after after credits? Yes, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with Venom. It was a 
um, clip from Into the Spider Verse. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm... which looks great. Did, <laughs> so, did it? Yeah. Okay. What? Was it looked a lot better. So it's um, not a trailer. Was that just an actual clip from it? It was an actual clip. Um, uh, Miles is at um, Peter's grave, and then Peter from another universe shows up behind him, and he's like, "What's going on?" And they get into this weird, like, uh, he accidentally knocks that Peter out. And the mm. police show up, uh, and Miles freaks out and webs them to a train real fast. So Miles is Spider-Man at this point. Yes. Okay. Okay. That sounds uh, cool. So, yeah, it's like just like this chase scene. Okay. And so the Peter beautiful. and Miles universe is dead at this point. Mm. Okay. That's cool. I'm glad that they're going with that origin for, for Miles. So it seems like they're going with that, like, you know, true ultimate you know, universe origin for him, which will be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to, I want to know if they actually kind of go into like, you know, this Spider-Man and his universe's like arc and everything. Um, Cause it is, God, man, that first ultimate Spider-Man run was fantastic mm-hmm. um, by Bendis um, with, you know, with, you know, the Peter Parker and everything like that, that first like 50 issues of that book is fantastic. It really got back to like the root of like who, Peter Parker is and everything like that and the fun of like exploring you know this new world you know with you know Peter as a high school student or everything because in the original arc for you know Marvel Peter's really only in high school for like maybe a year or two you know so this was like a good like five years where we got to see like Peter as a high school mm-hmm. student and everything like that um so but that's neither here nor there <laughs> But that it really, you know, got me back into Spider-Man, that mm-hmm. whole arc and everything. And Miles' arc is fantastic, too. So, I, man, I, I'm excited for that movie. I am. I know last episode, after I saw that trailer... I that trailer does little... bring bring me down a bit, but at the same time, I'm still... It still looks great, so... I just want to see Miles get his just due, because mm-hmm. I feel like this character could be huge, and he should be. This character should mean a lot, mm-hmm. so... You know, I'm hoping this leads to him on the big screen also eventually. So they keep testing the waters. I'm hoping that this is just another big step in yeah, that direction. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> well, we at least got the bad taste of venom out of yes. our mouth now. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking wig, though. Holy shit! <laughs> what the hell? It's like I don't a joke, know, man. Oh, I don't know. God. Anyway, okay. What the hell are we talking about now? Well, now we have to talk Super Show. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Morgan Danielle. And I'm Luco Blaze. And you can check us out on www.themetalexperience.com for the latest interviews featuring punk and metal bands from the Chicago area. And on our website, you can read interviews and reviews from bands all over the world in our blog section, either on Reviews from the Crypt or the Let's Chat Q&A sessions. Also, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember to keep it metal. Woo! Now accessing wrestling. I think I'm this just will a be a grumpy old wrestling fan. <laughs> There's less negatives about Super Show than Venom. Yes, I agree with that. I guess. I still... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's just let's go through the whole card. <laughs> All right. Um, starting uh, six off, hours of it. Six. <laughs> that was a four-hour show. It felt like six hours. The, the last match alone felt mm-hmm. like six hours. But okay, let's go. Uh, <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> 
SmackDown Tag Team Championship, New Day versus The Bar. New Day, of course, holding on to the titles. I enjoyed this match. Um, I thought it was a great tag team match. I thought it was a good opener for the show. I like this clash of styles. I'm glad they went with uh, uh, Kofi and Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that pairing. Um, you know, especially against like a power based team like The Bar. So I did enjoy that. I thought it was a solid opener. Um, I wish the bar would have gone over, just for change sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy. I love the finisher that fucking Kofi and Xavier hit. I haven't seen them do that before. Is that I, they it, said it was new? Okay, did they? Okay, um, like basically, it's like a um, a code breaker into like a like. A, Balor stomp like the coup de gras. Yeah, almost. pretty much. So I, I, I really enjoy that. Mm. They need to do more of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't really have like a set finisher. No. New Day, which is weird because they're I such think, an established tag team. I think it's more of like Kofi will... Uh, not, uh, they just hit their finishes. Kofi and um, Big E do more of the double team finishes. Yeah, but it's like, I feel like it's like on, like it's based off of their mm. own single like finishers. So I really enjoy it like that. They can keep that at least. It looks painful as all hell, so they probably won't. <laughs> but um, I know these guys are going to end up facing each other again, I believe, at Crown Jewel. I think that was announced. I'm all for it. You mm. know? Um, I like the fact that New Day went over here cleanly and we're still getting a rematch. You know, it wasn't just like, I feel like a lot of times when they start these feuds, you always know their first match is going to have a weird finish to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that that was a little less predictable. All right. It seems like they've been doing the second match has a weird finish a lot more lately. Yeah, but I feel like they need to have a reason to have the second match. Like, they have that mentality, so we know we're not going to get, like, I don't know, that crisp, mm-hmm. clean, you know, finish. Because well, with Joe and AJ, their first match... Who ended up? Oh, it was a, D, a it DQ. Was a DQ yeah. yeah. So and then uh, Nakamura and AJ. AJ ended up winning, but then Nakamura did something to yes. you know establish himself as a heel. <laughs> so there's always something you know mm. where you know it's just the first chapter, and then he disappeared. But you know, yes, then he just disappeared after the few. <laughs> yes, with the U.S. title too. Um, anyway, so. SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Thoughts? Oh, I, I was reading the thing. I was like, she didn't beat her. <laughs> so, yes. She uh, lost by, won by disqualification. Yes. Um, I like, I'm enjoying heel Becky. Yes. I'm glad that they're fully invested completely. It's not like she's a tween or anything. No, she she's is heel. a straight heel. She is the uh, Roman Reigns of the heel world, though, <laughs> where no matter what she does, uh-huh. she's getting cheered. So she literally whips Charlotte with the championship mm. belts to get disqualified in this match, and she still gets a pop for it. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, she, I think she's doing a great job. You know, it's not her fault. The fans. I was worried her. when Charlotte went after her. I was like, are they? They're not double turning right now, right? I was like, making sure. Yeah, I don't. That wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't think they could double turn with her whipping mm. Charlotte with the bells there. So hey, if they, they do enough damage, any <laughs> so you know, and we're going to be kind of recapping what happened this week on SmackDown or Raw during this card, mm. um, just due to time. 
So once again, this is my problem with these like international like super shows that they're doing. It feels like the matches don't mean much because mm-hmm. they literally have a rematch the next you know show, and it's a, like the same exact match. So you get Charlotte versus Becky again to open up SmackDown. It ends up in a countout, and Charlotte this time puts Becky through one of the video um, walls, you know, by the entrance. Really cool scene and everything mm-hmm. like that, but, you know, it's just leading to another match at the Women's Evolution. So they finally announced a match for the Evolution that did involve a legend. So, um, you know, I'm glad, you know, hopefully they get the main events. I feel like it's going to end up being. Uh, Nikki and Rhonda, but oh, yeah. you know, I feel like they're probably more deserving yeah. of the main events. Uh, how'd you? I know this is off the card, but how do you feel about um, it being now a tag match for Alexa Bliss and Mickey James versus Trish Stratus? I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't want to see two single matches because that mm. was the rumored um, single match was Mickey James well, and they Lita. Said, they even at this fucking pay per view. There was an advertisement for Trish Stratus versus um, Bliss. Bliss. Because they go, oh, match. They, they, and, no, they've been advertising um, that match for a while. But the rumor match was going to be Lita versus Mickey James. James. They did a they did a video of them though. Did they? Yes. For them saying that that match they announced that it was match. a singles. Yes. So I'm glad that they just put it together. Mm. You know, just package it up. I don't feel like it warrants you know two single matches. It, I'm fine with it being a, a tag match. And it I'd makes rather, sense because Mickey is with Alexa anyway. Mm. So and I'd just, rather see the Mickey versus Trish Stratus like moment in the ring. Yes, I would much rather have a singles match between those two. Mm. I think that would have been great, but I get it. So um, I don't know if they. Man, Lita's moonsault fucking scares the shit on me. She went for it again on mm. Raw, like she went up. I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Like I held my breath because it just. It was never that solid of a moonslaw from like the beginning, you know, even back in her prime. So, you know, after the rumble, I was like, Jesus Christ, never do that again. Yeah, she's um, still doing it. Yeah, she's still, oh, she's definitely <laughs> going to do it. I just hope she gets some of that ring rust off and practices a little in the ring beforehand because that thing looks dangerous. She's not getting much air anymore. So, um, but yeah, I- I'm glad that it's a tag match. Um, I'm glad that Charlotte and Becky will get, you know, a spotlight on the women's evolution because I feel like they definitely warrant it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been a good feud so far. I've enjoyed it. Uh, moving on. Yeah, John Cena and Bobby Lashley defeat Elias and Kevin Owens. This movie did. This movie. Jesus Christ, I'm still thinking about him. <laughs> uh, this match did nothing for me. Yeah, and I, I still am not over John Cena's punch. I told you he was going to do it! I said he was going to do it! <laughs> it doesn't even look impressive, though. It doesn't. It looks horrible. And they're trying to actually make it into a thing. They said that he learned, like, Jackie Chan, like, taught him it or something like that. He taught him to put an X up and then punch <laughs> forward. That's what they're I'm saying. I'm sorry, I could teach John yeah. Cena. <laughs> That's what they were saying, though. They're trying Fucking to make it legit. Chan. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Is that, like, is he doing a movie in China right I now? I think so. He's been training or He's something. He's been speaking Mandarin in videos. I, and, don't, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, Christian. I, I'm not up to date with my John Cena news, but yes. I know he's been training like with Jackie Chan 
or with his people or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, the bigger thing happened mm-hmm. on Raw. Bobby Lashley's a heel. Out of nowhere, Bobby Lashley's a heel. He comes out. He has a match with Kevin Owens. Straight one-on-one match. Elias is not around at all. Leo Rush is on the mic the entire match, getting tons of heat from the Chicago crowd. Mm -hmm. I mean, trying to get people to cheer Bobby Lashley. Lashley, all of his mannerisms in the ring is fucking heel mannerisms. There's not a moment that happens that, like, turns Bobby heel. He basically comes out and wrestles as a heel. It was very odd, but I liked it. I enjoyed it because it was something different. Um, It felt like, too, like they might be testing the waters to turn Kevin face because kevin gets injured here and like bobby like mm. preys on it and it makes kevin very like sympathetic and also like leo's on the mic you know talking trash about like kevin's weight and everything and you know then kevin fucking starts doing a couple high like spots and everything like that and you know i the crowd was into yeah, it chicago like, they, is a good they, crowd to have yes. kevin owens turn face it. yes yes absolutely i mean the the crowd was into it you know they popped for the big spots and everything and kevin really got to shine in this match so I, we might have had a double turn happen here um very interesting very out of nowhere i think it makes a whole lot more sense for especially for bobby lashley with leo Rush. oh absolutely uh, 100%. That made, like, I was like, why aren't they a heel faction? Right? And Leo Rush worked well as a heel manager. Mm. He really did. I mean, he's obnoxious. And it, like I said, if you have a manager, I mean, a baby face doesn't need a manager. A heel mm. needs a manager. So like, I feel the same way with like factions. Like, I don't want to see a baby face faction. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, heel faction, that's yes. where it's at. That's the point of the faction. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but it, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I will miss Elias and Kevin Owens together, though. So yeah, I unfortunately, don't... we do lose that. That was the one downside when I heard this news. I was like, oh. Yeah. I was starting to really get into that, though. So yes, they like, have good chemistry together. Unless they turn Elias' uh, face and it's a tag team. And he's he's borderline right now. He really is. The crowd loves him, so. Um, but, okay. Not we'll Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> that was still fantastic. Oh, my God. The booze, man. Jesus. Um, anyway, the Iconics versus Asuka and Naomi. Yeah, uh, we said the Iconics would win. The Iconics won. Yes. End of story. And they came out as faces, which was kind of strange. They were really playing up to the crowd and everything. I was expecting them to turn on the crowd, you know, at one point. But they were they, really I just... thought they insulted them on the way down. No, no. No, I don't think so. The crowd was into them the entire time. So, um... You know, they, they went over cleanly here, though. So I, it was nice to see them kind of get, you know. Yeah, it was great watching Oscar lose again. She did take the pin, at least. I know. Although she did come out and did that horrible fucking dance. Yeah. Oh, my God. That entrance was way too long, especially with having the oh. longer walkway. Yes, that like... walkway was insane. Because mm-hmm. they, they didn't even, and this was a four and a half hour show. But they had to cut people's entrances short. They couldn't even allow them to get in the ring because it was such a long walk before they started the other, you know, opponents. Their like, athletes music. run. Yeah. <laughs> it was just weird, like, to see, like, Charlotte still on the ramp when Becky's music hit. It was mm-hmm. just bizarre. Um, but, yeah, no, that... I like how almost everyone used the same, like, 
I'm gonna turn and look to see why my music got cut off. Yeah. At the end, though. Yeah. I was like, eh, yeah, I guess that's weird. fine. Awkward. But... I don't know. I don't know. like get the camera off of them. If you're gonna have that problem, don't mm-hmm. show that. You know. Um, but I don't know. Whatever. So, but the iconics went over. I mean, whatever. <laughs> you know, no hints of it. You know, nope. women's tag team, you know, division. Yet. Nothing. So, didn't hear anything on Plenty of teams. Or third, yes. Or, no, um, uh, I almost said Thursday night SmackDown, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, no no talk of it on SmackDown. So, yeah. But, oh, all right. So, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe um, for the WWE Championship. Christian, thoughts? It was a solid match. I enjoyed it. Um, I did too. I think I enjoyed their last match more, mm-hmm. um, but still a good match. Um, I thought they told a nice story in here. I, I like that show. Basically, his body just gave out on him. His knee, you know, is what cost him the match. Um, you know, it was hard hitting. I mean, they were not pulling any fucking mm-hmm. punches, which is what I loved about the last match so much was just like, you know, how fucking snug they were with everything. Um just you these guys know each other so well in the ring everything just is seamless when they wrestle um you know it it feels like they just kind of you know don't even need to talk out there Mm -hmm. you know they just kind of go into like sequences and everything so um i don't know a a good but match it's unfortunate that this was like the blow-off match yes so and i really was hoping that joe would get you know, something run, else, yeah. A run with the title. So, and then we saw on SmackDown, he was trying to qualify for what the hell are they calling it? The Cup, the World Cup? World, like. To see who the best wrestler is. Yeah. Even though none of your champions are part of this tournament. The Crown Jewel Cup? This is going to be at the Crown Jewel. Yeah. So this is going to be one of their events that don't really mean anything. Mm. You know, like the greatest Royal Rumble. Just a random title at the end. Yes. Yeah. So they'll probably get some kind of trophy or something like that. Um, You know, it's, you know, maybe if they use it right, they'll use it like the King of the Ring, you know, Mm. tournaments, but they won't. (laughs) <laughs> so, but yeah, Joe uh, lost to Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy made his return on SmackDown, but he couldn't continue because of his knee. So, seems like it's going to be part of a storyline for him. I'm not sure how an injury can be part of his storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're trying to get sympathy for Joe. Um, I hope not. Yeah, I don't want to see. I don't know how you face. go with the story arc that he was just part of, mm. you know, being the heel that he was just, you know, literally invading someone's home um, to, like, gathering any kind of sympathy for I hope guy. it just becomes, like, he gets put in a position where he has to fake that his knee's hurting and then he gets up and does something. So it's, like, all just a big plan when yeah. he's playing possum. Because <laughs> he realizes that this tournament means shit, too, so... <laughs> Um, he's going to use it to steal a win that matters down the line. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll buy it. <laughs> That's fine. I can't see him as a face. I just, yeah. No, I don't want it either. So he's one of your best heels right now. But SmackDown has way too many right. heels at the moment. So, uh, all right. Well, moving on, you've got Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins defeating the Riot Squad. That's eh. all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> It was an M match. I was like, okay, it's short. Um, we expected the turn happening exactly. here. It didn't um, happen until... And once again, like I was complaining about before with this match, uh, with the matches, is we got the rematch 
literally two days later. Um, so it felt like this match didn't really matter. And then we got the storyline coming out of that match. Mm. So um, I felt like the Monday match was much better. Um, and I thought the turn was actually done well. Like, I enjoyed the turn. Um, you know, and I liked that it's both of the Bellas, you know, turning on her. So I feel like there's only a way to make sense of it. And it makes them feel more of a legitimate threat against Rana. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of team up against her. I want Miz to point out that she's healed, though. I think that'd be hilarious. Oh, I think he will. I think he will. <laughs> Nothing's off the table with mm-hmm. the Miz, as we saw um, this this past Tuesday. So, um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it, this match really didn't mean much. I, I like that they're still putting over Ruby Riot, though. Like, throughout this match, on commentary and everything, on Monday, on commentary, they're really putting over Ruby Riot as, like, a future contender for the belts. So, I, I did enjoy that. Um, next we've got the Cruiserweight Championship actually on the show. Yeah, which was odd. What? Was there even a pre-show for this? No. There wasn't a pre-show, right? Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, David. I fast-forwarded through this match. Did you? <laughs> Mostly because at this point I'm like, it. there's there's two hours left of this pay-per-view. Uh-huh. So I started fast-forwarding through this. Yes, yes. Um, I was surprised to see Buddy Murphy won, though. He's from Australia, though. Yes. So, I I told you. I I had a feeling that he was going to win here. Um, I feel like he's going to end up handing that belt right over to Cedric Alexander, you know, next, you know, pre-show. So. uh, (laughs) (laughs) At least he had his moment. The crowd was fucking into it. You can't deny that. The crowd was definitely excited for him. So, it was a cool little moment, you know. Um Watching this, though, because I haven't watched a 205 Live match in a long time, it still felt very watered down from what I know what Cedric Alexander can do in the ring and everything. So that was a little disappointing. I would, I was hoping that, like, you know, the handcuffs would be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just wrestling like every other WWE superstar. You know, they just happen to be, you know, 205. So it's a little disappointing. Like, what's the point of having a cruiserweight, you know, division and not letting them wrestle like cruiserweights there's no point you know it's just it's ridiculous but anyway let's move on uh the shield versus braun Strowman, dolph ziggler and drew mcintyre this match really did nothing for me it it Hmm. really did it like i just didn't care um, you know, they did some nice spots here and there mm. where they felt like they were trying to tease, you know, Dean turning and everything. They did that one spot where they all kind of were like coming up from like, yeah. you know, on the apron. Ambrose was outside the ring. So yes. he tried to get back in. Of course, it looks like he's, he's going to turn on them too. Mm. Like they're circling, you know, the ring like the shield does. thought that was a nice moment. But overall, um, once again, they had the rematch on Raw. Mm. Um, so this match felt like it didn't really matter that much. And I felt like the rematch on Raw was the better match. Um, and they actually added to the storyline, you know, during that, during that match, you had, you know, um, the shield lose the match and you had Dean walk away from the shield at the end of the night. Which for me feels a little jarring the way that this match ends on the pay-per-view is they look like they're more unified than ever yeah. at this point. I, I just, it felt like, too. I, I was happy on Monday because it felt like it gave heat back to, you know, Braun's little stable here. 
Um, you know, even though they were fighting plenty during this match, mm-hmm. um, but they can get away with it more because they're heels. So I felt like the fact that they lost like their first match against the Shields, you know, really just took all the heat away from them. So I'm glad that they got it back on Monday. But yeah, I like how they ended this show with Dean walking away. So I hope it's not just a tease. I hope that a turn eventually happens. I don't like that it's being drawn out. I, I, yeah. I would have rather had it like they're all happy and joyous and then, you know, he decides to turn on them. Exactly. I would like to see I don't I, like Rollins' turn. Exactly. I don't want to see him you know, like, contemplating and contemplating and contemplating. Like know? what they did when Rollins and Ambrose eventually teamed back together, you know, mm-hmm. you know, earlier this year, or was that last year? Last year. Yeah, you know, before Dean got injured, you know, where they kept on teasing it for, like, a month, it felt like, if not longer. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. What what if it just ends up being Rollins who turns on him? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. That would be awesome. Yeah. It's just Rollins the entire time. He just takes him you out. Thought it yeah. him. <laughs> you thought it was going to be him. You thought it was going to be him. That would be awesome. Yes. But you know what? Fans in Australia still hate Roman Reigns. So I have to point that out. It's not just the United States. The moment thing. he got tagged in. Yes. Ooh. Oh my God. You cannot uh, hide, you know, the hate that people have for Roman, you know, within the shield. Mm. So whatever WWE is trying to do, it's not working. And what sucks is it's really holding, you know, the fucking uh, IC belts like hostage right now. Because we're not getting fucking, you know, what was highlights of the like, you know, last handful of pay-per-views, IC title matches, mm. um, which really sucks. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, they, you know, Rollins starts defending that belt again because I don't need to see much more of this, honestly. So, um, so this was probably the match I was looking forward to the most: Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. At least it seemed like something that was going to matter on this card, and yes. be, you know, like a class, like almost a four-star match, probably. Yes, because of all the build-up and everything mm-hmm. that you got, and you had multiple matches at this point. Felt like we're, you know, getting close to... It's like, so late in the card as well. Yes, yes. You're getting close to, like, the closing chapter, at least, you know, for this volume mm. of their story. Um, and then we got a three-minute match, yeah. um, which ended with a roll-up. And I don't mind roll-ups. Like, I don't have a problem with that being the finish. I have a problem with it being a three-minute match. Um, I felt like it did more to hurt Daniel Bryan than it did mm-hmm. to help Daniel Bryan. And it really made Miz out to be almost the face at the end of this match because Miz obviously got his shoulder up. On SmackDown, he didn't mention that, um, but it wasn't something that he was like using to like appeal this match or anything. You know, if he will down the line because of that, you know, and he gets himself part of, you know, the match at Crown Jewel between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. You know, it didn't seem like they were going that route on SmackDown. Um, they did have a nice little segment where, you know, he had AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan on Miz TV. Um, that was well done overall. Um, they kind of, you know, started to kind of stir up a little heat between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. 
Um, but, you know, once again, Miz, you know, stalled the heat back quickly <laughs> uh, with his comments towards, mm-hmm. like, AJ Styles and everything like that. How, you know, the, the belt hasn't mean anything around his waist and how it can't even main event, you know, you know, a SmackDown show, let alone a pay-per-view, which is all very true, um, unfortunately. But that has nothing to do with AJ Styles' wrestling mm-hmm. ability. That just has to do with, you know, shitty fucking booking. Yeah, man, it's all Paige's fault. So, um, but yeah, yeah, damn it, <laughs> that damn page. Um, but yeah, so it really, I don't know, but yeah, this match was definitely, I do feel like something happened here. I know like Daniel's been like hurt and like he's got injured ribs or something like that, but there was a moment before they went into the roll up where, um, the ref was on his headset, like noticeably. And then they went right into that room. So I'm wondering if something fucking happened, you know, where they were like, oh, we're running short on time or it's something. Triple H and Undertaker needed a fucking 45-minute match for some reason. 15 minutes of entrances. Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, so I, I do feel like something happened, you know. It's the only, it's, it's got to be the explanation because I, I don't see any other reason why they would have a three-minute match. Literally, they comments that if you blinked, you would have missed it, and I blinked. Yeah, yeah, I right. It. I had to sit there and wait for the replay just to understand. And it was what so happened. fucking flat, like the finish, like the crowd, like they thought it was a mistake, like they thought something happened. It just took like the air out of the stadium. It really did. So it was really disappointing because I, like I said, this was the match I was probably looking forward to the most on the card. Um, because once again, it actually meant something too, not only to their few, but the fact that the number one contendership was on the line. Mm. Um, so it's just disappointing. Yeah, just disappointing. So, all right. So then we got Triple H uh, with Shawn Michaels in his corner versus The Undertaker with uh, Kane. Damon, for the last time ever. Or not. <laughs> um, this was a very, very long match mm-hmm. and it had no business being like that no business whatsoever um 15 minutes tops that's what I would have given them they could have hit all their spots you know got the crowd into it there's no reason for this match to go I, I believe it was like 40 minutes um it just I, I was bored during this match I just don't want to see this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's more on the Undertaker's end. I just, it's, it's almost sad to me seeing the state he's in. He just can't do it at the caliber and the speed that he used to, mm-hmm. which what, which is what made him such a great big man. Um, you know, now he's just a glorified entrance. So um, I just, I want to be done with this, you know, um, and hopefully that's, you know, insight um on raw you had the reformation of dx um, after the match triple h one you yes. know with Shawn michaels help they all seem like they're having one of those end of the era moments where they're all you know in the ring you know you know raising each other's uh, arms full fireworks they, they go yes. all the way to the end and then undertaker and kane tombstone the shit out of both of them mm. and put Shawn michaels through a table so, okay, 
you know, it's a fine moment and everything, but we already heard the rumors and everything that it was going to end up leading to a match between the Brothers of Destruction versus DX, and that's exactly what we got. Seems like Crown Jewel, Saudi Arabia's paid for the return of Shawn Michaels. And I really fucking hate it. I really do. Um, I didn't enjoy the promo on Raw. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't want to see these two old guys. Didn't seem like the crowd cared much for it either. Yeah. I mean, not as much as you would expect. Mm. I mean, you have a built-in hot crowd already in Chicago. And, you know... They already knew about it. The fact that there's so many leaks and everything, and mm. you got these weird pay per views, you know, out there, and it just, I don't, I don't get it. And WWE was even, I felt like we're was teasing it. So, um, well, WWE it, has gone full board DX. I mean, they changed their logos to have DX all over. They're it. really they're trying to push this advertising like crazy. Oh God, I, I see just, it everywhere. I, I just, I just don't care. I just don't care. Um, and it, I don't want to see that. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a fun match. I just hope they limit it to like, you know, 15 minutes tops, like I was saying. Get your spots and everything. Um, but then just go home. I'm done with The Undertaker for a while. Now, the rumor is that this is going to eventually lead to an Undertaker versus Sean match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. That's the big rumor now. Um, we kind of speculated about it after that promo that, you know, Sean and Undertaker had. Maybe the rumors started here. You know, maybe it did. <laughs> a month and a half ago, you know, it, it feels like years ago at this mm. point. But yeah, it was like a month and a half ago. You know, there was such build up for that, you know, match. Um, you know, I still didn't care at the end of the day. <laughs> so I, it, you know, I, if it leads to a retirement match for Undertaker and it's at the hands of Shawn Michaels, I feel like it makes sense storyline-wise. I think it makes sense, you know, it, it's a good reason for Shawn to come out of retirement. It just sucks that it has to be primed with this match beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's the only disappointing aspect of it. So, um, you know, it just doesn't feel like this is worthy of Sean coming out of retirement after eight years. No, no. You know, and I, I get it, like, the whole storyline of, well, the whole reason I was staying retired was because of my respect for The Undertaker, but he doesn't respect me. I get it, but it would make more sense if it led to a one-on-one match with Sean and Undertaker, and it was Sean trying to retire The Undertaker. That would make more sense, not this kind of pit stop we were having on the way in Saudi Arabia. So... But I'm sure people will, you know, get behind it eventually and, you know, whatever. But WrestleMania is a long time away, so I don't know what they're going to do in between if they, that is the road they're going down. Well, they've probably figured that we're all going to be watching Wrestle Kingdom in January. So. <laughs> no one's going to be paying attention to WWE anyway. <laughs> uh, what would you give this card overall? Um, I mean, i give it a 3, 3.5. 3.5, I give it 3. I'm going to give it 3. It just, nothing really mattered mm-hmm. on this car. That's my problem. You know, nothing really mattered in the long run. It was what we kind of thought it was going to be, a glorified if anything, show. I feel like this, Which the Greatest Royal Rumble felt mm-hmm. like, you know. I feel like this cheapens the um, end of an era match even further at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and they've cheapened that enough at this point. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, God, how many times have under has the Undertaker and Triple H wrestled? You know, separately since then. So it just I don't know. It needs to stop. It, yes, yes. I I'm, I'm sincerely think after twenty nineteen, it just needs to stop. Yes, well, uh, especially the Undertaker. He just can't go anymore. Mm. I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, the guy's fucking. He's got to be close to sixty years old. Yes. And at that size and everything, it's a lot. I mean, nothing but love and respect. He will always be one of my favorite wrestlers. But at this time, it's... I've always had a love-hate thing with The Undertaker, but I respect his body of work. I just hate to see him in these Mm -hmm. things. You know, and I I hate to see such a spotlight and so much time dedicated to his character when he's just a shell of who he used to be at this point. So it's almost sad, you know, Mm -hmm. to see him lumbering around. But anyway... Well, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom's down the road, so we have to talk New Japan because we're getting closer and closer and closer. Yes, uh, we had King of Pro Wrestling take place over the weekend. Um, highlights, Christian. Let's not go through the whole card um, because we're running out of time. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I thought the opening matches were, it was what it was what it was you know it wasn't anything special um i did enjoy the uh firing squad match uh against the bullet club you know the bullet club elite if you will are they going by firing squad anymore or are they just going by bullet club og i i I rarely hear them being called firing squad but i really wish they would like stick to that really I almost wish they would just take up that moniker. At this yeah, point. neither one of these groups are going to drop the Bullet Club mm. moniker because that's what sells shirts. So, um, and I don't blame them. I love the fact they're coming out to like the old school thing. Were you surprised on like how easily they vanquished like the elite here? Like I, I felt like it wasn't much of a task <laughs> to beat the Young Bucks, you know, um, you know, and company. Um, I mean, it's it's impressive on their part. They've been kind of on the weaker side when it comes to fighting them mm-hmm. up until they won the titles. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, but they also took the three, the um, never open... Uh, well, that's what I mean, when they won... The oh, after, okay, I thought you were talking about the tag. Since before, like, when before that, it was... Because now they're just like dominating they them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they took the tag belts from them. I mean... They're just dominating. It's not much of a feud at this point. Which, I mean, I'm happy to see that, though, because I feel like that's what we need from this kind of healer side of the faction. Mm-hmm. You yeah. need to see the faces kind of being... They need to be a legitimate threat. Yes. Yes, I agree, 100%. Otherwise, they'll just be looked at as a joke. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I really enjoy uh, Ishimori. I really want to see more of Ishimori. <laughs> I why wasn't he part of the uh, the junior heavyweight uh, tournament? I'm not sure. Was he? Because like, he was part of Super Junior, but I don't know what happened. Was why he? He, wasn't. he was in the final. Mm-hmm. So why the hell? Maybe it was just like a scheduling thing or something like that. That just no, seems weird. So, um, but yeah, no, I love that guy. I need to see more of him. Because you so. think that they would have wanted to throw the title on him, especially after like everything. They built him up as beforehand. Like, yeah. During that whole Super Junior like time, he was like, everyone thought he was going to win. Exactly. That was like the big rumor at the time. And I don't know why they didn't go with him at this point. Yeah. No. And I don't know how the contracts work, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, especially his contract. 
Um, so I know he was like a big time free agent and everything. And so. at first I thought maybe, you know, they're going to pull more towards like chaos having titles at this point. Mm-hmm. But now with um, the big news of Jay White joining the Bullet Club. Wow. I step on the lead, dude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I thought now this is the time to have um, Bullet Club show, like have titles, have more of a rain, you know. I mean, we have them having the, all mm-hmm. the tag titles. Why not spread that out to more? Well, and they then brought they, him in for that very they reason. They did announce that I don't have the name. Um, another member of the Bullet Club. It's going to be uh, Ishimori's tag team partner for the uh, junior tag team uh, tournament that they do. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, it sounds like he's going to be official member of you know the Bullet Club OGs, which is kind of weird to get new members to the. Bullet Club OG, but <laughs> as we just, you know, spoil them that happens later <laughs> on tonight in the night. So, uh, but anyway, moving on. Any What other matches stand out to you? Um, um, LIJ has a new um, teammate. Yes, yes, and they did actually wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I was, I was surprised to hear about that when I first heard it, because uh, I heard news before I saw anything. Uh-huh. Um, well, it was on at like 3 o'clock in the morning. So, sure, but you can't, you can't fault me. Exactly. Um, that I, Usually they announce new people or anything like that after a match or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see them all work together. Well, um, they had that whole promo package that they were running beforehand with them in the casino and everything, mm-hmm. which was really nicely done. I was like, I need to see more of <laughs> shit like this from New Japan. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice like LIJ-like promo package that they did. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, what's the dude's name? Um I know Takagi is his last name. Takagi. He's from Dragon Gate. And yes. he was another big, like, free agent. He was strongly rumored, I guess, um, to be, you know, the next member. Trained under the same guy as um, Naito. So. Yes. So it makes sense and everything. He definitely has that swag to him, too. Um, you know, just his smirk alone, mm. you know, fits in perfectly with his teeth alone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just his teeth. His teeth are over. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a good fit and everything mm. for him. And the guy can fucking go. So they had a nice little match, um, you know, uh, right after the announcement. And then we also have uh, Chris Jericho. Yes, right after that match, you had Evil. And Evil wasn't out there with uh, mm. LIJ, which I thought was interesting. But, um, you know, we had an Evil versus Zack Sabre uh, match, you know, uh supposed to happen here and i was actually looking forward to the match um evil's been on a losing streak against zach saber jr so um you know he comes out full entrance being carried down by like druids and everything like undertaker style on a throne and then of course he gets attacked once he enters the ring by one of the druids and lo and behold <laughs> i think was, i think was... jericho just likes dress up at this point yes yes <laughs> it, it was this was probably the weakest of his like right. you know dress ups because you could see the IC belt underneath his costume right away. It was like the mask was a little too small. So I mean, I guess if anyone's getting jumped by someone in a costume, you just know it's Jericho at this point. <laughs> um, but it was still a nice moment and everything like that, and that was the big rumored match um, that was supposed to happen. With I'm Jericho. still not super excited to see them fight. They need to do some definite build up here. Ooh. You know. It feels like, especially right now, like Evil's kind of on a losing streak. So I don't know exactly where that's going. Like, I'm much more interested 
and would be more invested in like a Naito versus you know Jericho match. So, but for some reason that doesn't seem to be in the cards. Um, Do we know when they're what event they're fighting at? Is it going to be? I don't know struggle? if they've announced it yet. Um, but I feel like it's going to be short, be, shortly because they they have a six month clause on the IC belt. Gotcha. So and he's getting very close to that mark. So. Well, Power Struggle and the Super Junior Tag League is next month. So maybe it's a Power Struggle. Like so um, Sabre Junior afterwards was hilarious because he wanted the match to start even though he just got, you know, Evil got mm. demolished by Jericho. Um, and, you know, start to attack everyone. And then eventually Naito came out. You know, the entire time I'm thinking to myself, LIJ was just out. Just out there. <laughs> Where the hell are they? <laughs> um... I felt like it was kind of teasing, you know, like maybe uh, Saber versus Naito here. There's a nice little sequence between the two guys. So um, I know they've, you know, wrestled in the hmm. past and everything. Had a nice they little could probably get So, yeah, no, I would definitely be interested in that. Um, if, you know, Evil's, you know, going past Saber and going to Jericho, um, I guess it would make sense. So, but yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Oh. So we had uh, Kushido uh, versus Scroll. 100th time. <laughs> Kushido beats Marty Scroll. Uh huh. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm always going to be against Kushida. That's just me. I know, I know you like his gimmick, but. Uh huh. I, I don't like the gimmick enough to want <laughs> to go over Marty, but, you know, I do enjoy the fact that it's just Back to the Future, you mm-hmm. know, so. Um, it was a good match, though. I mean, but it was very predictable. Mm. It was very predictable. So, um, I like it when Marty can be full Marty, though. When he can be full villain and he's not doing so much of the comedy shit, mm. you know. And, and I love the comedy shit, don't get me wrong, but I like it when he can just, you know, be the full villain, you know. And Do you just, feel like they take him more seriously as a heel over in New Japan? You know, I, um, when he's in single matches, yes, because mm-hmm. he does plenty of the comedy shit. You know, um, especially when they were going up against you know the uh, Bullet Club OGs. You know, with, that's uh, true. Fale. When they were doing the tag matches, yes. You know, I mean, he always walks this fine line. You know, and I don't know if you know since I was introduced to the character. You know, with like being the lead and everything like that, if it's always been that case. Um, you know, or if that just is a more recent thing, you know, with the comedy and everything. But, you know, it seems like he walks that fine line where he could have these really serious matches and be this, like, almost, God, um, you know, old school heel. And then he could go the other route and do pure comedy if he wants mm-hmm. to. So, um, you know, he, I mean, he's a very talented, versatile worker, though, that he can do both so well. So, but yeah, I felt like the outcome of this match was very predictable. You know, I didn't feel like Marty was going to get the belt here, which is unfortunate because he had such a great match against Okada. You know, I was hoping it would open some eyes, but they love Kushida. I mean, they kept on putting him up there with like a legger and shit mm-hmm. during this match on commentary. So I'm um, saying that like, you know, he's the next, you know, in line, you know, you know, legend status wise, you know, um, you know, he's today's Liger, which is hilarious because Liger's still around uh-huh. <laughs> and wrestling on this card. Uh, he um, always be second to um, Hiramu. 
to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Uh, what do we have next? Oh, Robbie Eagles is the name of the uh, guy who's oh, going okay. to be now part of um, the Bullet Club um, OGs. So he's going to be the tag partner of um, each one. So, all right. What do we got next here, Christian? Um, well, there is Tanahashi going over Switchblade. Yes, yes. Which I, I they... which I spoiled earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a a very good match between these two. I enjoy these guys' chemistry in the ring. I know they wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom this past year and mm-hmm. everything. I thought this was the better match actually. Um, I was actually at points of the match. I actually thought Jay White was going to win. So even though, you know, prior to this, you know, this match starting, I thought there was no way that he was going to end up, you know, getting that contract from him, especially with all the buildup that's mm-hmm. recently been happening between Omega and, you know, Tanahashi. So, but there was definitely, you know, they, they got me to believe that, you know, JY could possibly walk away with that contract. Um, but yeah, so they, you know, he ends up winning the match, Tanahashi, and you have, you know, was it was it Gaido who came to the ring? You Gaido comes in the ring and everything, and it they they jump Tanahashi, and then Okada comes Okada out. Makes the save, yeah. yeah, Okada comes out, makes the save, um, and then uh, what's Gaido's uh, buddy's name? Jado. Uh, Jado. Yeah, he comes out. And it's very obvious that he's going to turn on him. He's wearing the Okada shirt and everything like that. Seems like he's trying to, you know, be like the mediator between the two and everything. Um, all of a sudden, the crowd starts to stir and you fucking hear, you know, you see the, you know, Bullet Club OGs come out of nowhere and surround the ring. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, and they tease Okada joining them. You know, they even like, you know, they... You know, mime to him, like, you know, all right, come on, attack him. They, they kind of are holding Gaido and everything um, down. Jay White is outside of the ring at this point. Um, Okada looks like he accepts it and is going to, like, go off the ropes. And then he gets the stun gun, you know. Um, you know, and then Jay White comes in the ring, joins them, and you realize what the hell's going on. So it was a nice little moment, you know. Um, I... I was really surprised that, you know, they went this route. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. I think we were kind of talking like, well, maybe Cody joins, you know, especially, you know, after he kind of, you know, weaseled his way yeah. into that, you know, match, you know, the main event um, for the card. So I thought that would make more sense. But, I mean, Jay White's a good fit, you know, and something different. Um, Tanahashi eventually comes out. You know, to also see what the hell's going on with Okada and everything at, at the end, you know, after they left the ring and everything. So I'm guessing that they're teasing at like a Tanahashi and Okada like team up here, um, you know, against, you know, the Bullet Club OGs, um, you know, for maybe, you know, the next big event that's coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets announced, you know, so, um, but I don't know. What were your thoughts on this? Do you like Jay White as part of, you know, the Bull Club? I like him with the OGs. I don't like him with the elite characters. I feel like he fits more with... Why would he be with the elite characters? 
I'm saying if he were to like originally when Kenny offered the oh okay so you're just saying yes this is the better fit and at the time I feel like Jay White was a different character altogether Mm. you know he was kind of like this dark brooding character who was a heel but like now he's much more like into like he's coming to his own as a heel I feel like Mm. and he's this really like I don't know swarmy like you know slimy cowardly heel you know. In the classic sense. I can still see in the end of all of this him backstabbing um, Tava easily. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Mm. You know, like, maybe months down the line. You know, I could definitely... Like, once they've, like, served their purpose for him and everything, I could definitely see that. Um, You know, or, like, some kind of friction happen between them. Now, are are they going to stick Gato with um, Jay White for good right now? Yeah, it seems like they're all together. They're all celebrating mm-hmm. the ring together and everything. So it feels like they're together. So, you know. Um, I think that's a good mouthpiece for him, even though he... Well, I get, get it was part... He was with him beforehand, before the match. Well, yes, but I'm just saying, like, I think it's interesting to just watch this relationship build right Oh, between Okada the two, yeah, because you kind of have, like... I mean, Data was chaos... So, so it feels mm. it does feel like a weird marriage. Um, with Okada almost accepting Bullet Club, do you think this starts any problems with Chaos? You know, will they question him, his loyalty and everything? Oh, that would be a deep storyline right there. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, is is Chaos even a functioning you know unit at this point? No, it's been falling apart for a while. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. We'll see where they go, mm. you know, especially with like Tanahashi maybe possibly teaming up with him. You know, I mean, it would make sense. Does Osprey just take over? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something else we didn't talk about. Seems like Osprey's going to be going after the Never Open Weight uh, belt. Oh, so they okay. they show he got the pin on what's his name and then you know held up the belt. So it seems like he's going to be next in line. He's wanted to go up weight class wise. I feel like he's way over the weight limit just by the looks of I mean, I know he wrestles the style and everything, but, you know, he's not Zack Sabre Jr. where, you know, he's just tall and lanky, you know, he's he's, he's a built guy, yeah. so, um, but yeah, you know, I thought that was interesting, so, but uh, let's get to our main event. Main event of the night. Omega versus Rhodes versus Ibushi. I really enjoyed this match. More than I thought I would enjoy it. I thought they told a great story, like, throughout this match. Um, I know they don't really do many, like, you know, three-way dances mm-hmm. in New Japan. This might have been, like, one of the first for the actual title. Um, but I thought they really did a masterful job of telling this story of, like, Kenny, you know, really trying not to, you know, cross the line with Ibushi and back and forth and Cody kind of being this middle figure and Mm -hmm. just this weird chemistry that was going on, you know, where, you know, Kenny wasn't willing to, you know, I don't know, do what it takes to beat Ibushi at points. And, you know, um, they, they did this whole thing where, Kenny seemed to be willing to team up with Ibushi, but not with Cody at first. And then Cody got on his, on his case about it. So then they were teaming up together. 
there was a lot of drama going on <laughs> in this three-way dance. It wasn't a case mm. of them just like, all right, well, the bell rings and, you know, we're going to be competitive. There was a lot of just, you know. WWE usually just throws it out the window at that point. It's just like, it's a triple threat match. It's a triple threat. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely a lot of storytelling, mm-hmm. but, you know, it had tons of great wrestling, you know, throughout the match, too. So it was a bit much at times where it's like, okay, you know, we just watch these guys almost tear each other apart. And I understand they are supposed to have some kind of understanding where they would never cross the line because they would just go too far and kill each other. But, um, you know, it. I still want that match, though. Yes, and hopefully that does happen down the line somewhere. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to be in the mm-hmm. near future right now. And I, I, I'm hearing, one of the things I'm hearing is that Kabushi doesn't actually have, like, a contract with New Japan. So I don't know if that's the reason why they're not willing to go just full on with him. Um, but even, he can still lose the match. He doesn't have to become the champion. Well, because we were thinking he was going to win, you know, win yes. the G1 and, you know, but, you know make it Hopes to... and dreams are crushed already. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it just feels like if that was going to take place, it would have taken place at Wrestle Kingdom. It's mm-hmm. like the perfect place for it to take place. It would be, you know, the Japanese version of the Mega Powers exploding. So, um, so they, I mean, I don't know. It felt like they needed to have this match because of the tradition of if you lose, you know, if the championship loses the G1, whoever gets that, you know, a title shot. Kenny lost to Bushi, so technically he won him a title shot. But this is a way of not having that match too soon, mm-hmm. but still honoring so and like throwing Cody in the match, it worked though. I mean, they did. It was a good match. It was a damn entertaining match. And like I said, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. So, but it was it literally. I think it was more for like the the drama going on <laughs> between the three wrestlers in the ring, you know. And you know, there was a lot of story work happening here. Um, it it was a fun match. It was a fun match, entertaining. So, um, at the end of the match, Kenny did go over. I do feel like he might have really, like, fucked up Ibushi, though. It felt like at the end it was a little awkward because they were... Kenny was on the mic. He was trying to tell Ibushi to stand, and Ibushi just could not stand. There was a very quick, like, um, sequence at the end Mm. where it was, like, really sudden. But I'm wondering if, like, he might have gotten a little stinger or something like that because Ibushi just seemed a little out of it. Um, So, but... you had Tanahashi come out, you know, they didn't talk too much smack or anything like that, but they stayed face to face and that seems to be set in snow now for Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. So thoughts on that. I just I I'm terrified that Tanahashi's gonna become champion at this point. I feel like he's destined to become mm. champion at this point, just storyline wise. Um I really don't see any way he mm. doesn't become champion. Um and it's unfortunate. I do like I'm more invested in the match than I was when, you know, he originally won the G1 because I like the back and forth between the two where, you know, Tanahashi is that traditional, you know, New Japan star and Kenny's like the new wave who's trying to change the world and everything. And they're kind of bickering back and forth, you know, whose way is right. And, you know, um, Kenny's calling him safe and, you know, mm-hmm. saying that he wrestles a WWE style. <laughs> um, 
you know, that he belongs there and everything. And, you know, just, you know, like Tanahashi kind of sounds like almost like a grumpy old man when he's talking about Omega, you know, and, you know, it's kind of blaming him. It seems like for, you know, what he sees as the downfall of, you know, New Japan right now. Um, see, so, but even in that storytelling, is that is that what I want to see win and become champion? Oh, no. No. But, I mean, it's just we don't see Tanahashi in the light that, mm. you know, a lot of the New Japan fans see him as. You know? Yeah, but I I don't also understand then why does the New Japan fans get so behind LIJ if it's the same reasoning, it's the same movement. Mm-hmm. That are those changing. fans still behind? Yeah, are th- those the same fans who are you know so behind Tanahashi? And I don't know, I don't know. So I mean, it it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, it, but it seems like it's gonna happen regardless. So like, would I rather see Omega versus like Naito? Yes, you know. Um, I would definitely. I mean, God. It, it felt like this was going to be Naito's year again. Like, I felt mm. like he was going to... He was destined to get another shot. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see Naito would be Okada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing Naito versus Omega, you know. Um, but, yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be Tanahashi. You know. Um, they're going to put on an awesome match. It's going to be a fantastic match. I mean, if this ends up... And I'm, I'm speculating that if Tanahashi wins... I would love to see Naito finish his storyline and finally become champion after beating Tanahashi. But do you feel like his storyline needs to conclude at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, which would be a whole nother year. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> like if he just beats a, you know, on a like you know, you know, one of their monthly events, I feel like it doesn't mean as much. Like it's not the true ending of the storyline. It has to be like in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. So. Um, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. They play the long game in New Japan, so they're willing to play the long game, which is nice to see, but it can be a little frustrating at times. Only know. in storylines, not in contracts. <laughs> they're not going anywhere. They're not going <laughs> I anywhere. I mean, the, being the lead, they keep on teasing and talking. It's like, okay, come on. They It just... They have so much to lose going there at this point, you know? They're making tons of money, unless it's just a just a lifelong dream and just such a goal. You know. Do you think they... it would be an easier schedule on them? No, fucking WWE wrestlers with all the wrestle. travel that they have. <sighs> they wrestle a lot. They can't. They dictate their schedule right now. Like they were able to take off two, three weeks after um, All In. So and they can dictate where they're going. WWE they can't. So I mean. Those guys' schedule fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're just going to be... An, they're going to have no say, and they're just going to be another cog in the, the machine. It really... It's going to eat them up. That's my fear. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, they'll be over, like, crazy, but, like, all it takes is a couple months of bad booking, and, you know, look what happened with Asuka, you mm-hmm. know? Look what happened with, you know, uh, Anderson and Gallows. And Balor. And Balor. And yes, uh, the names go on and on and on. So, Nakamura. So, I mean, they could they could shine for a couple months. And all it takes is a couple months of bad mm-hmm. bookings. And that's it. You know? So, I, I don't want to see it. I understand if they make their choice. But I just don't want to see it. You know? 
I really hope Cody stays away. I really hope Cody stays away, you know, for a while. At mm. least, you know, I can understand why Kenny would be tempted. Um, I don't know the, the age of Omega. I feel like he's older than the Young Bucks. So, you know, I, I think he probably wants to hit there, you know, in his prime. But it's still, and it sounds like he wants, it's almost like a challenge for him. You know, to mm-hmm. see what he could do within the confines of, you know, you know, their rules and their expectations. Um, but I don't know. Once again, it's not necessarily something I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm enjoying this alternative to WWE right now. Well, if Omega is to stay with um, New Japan, where do you see him going if, if he were to lose the title after this? I'd like to see him go full heel. You know, and really go after, you know, maybe they actually have a start, like a, be a start of a bigger program. But it feels like with New Japan, they don't do, like, they no, have. No, it's usually like, like ends. Yeah, like, it just events. ends. Like, it's just a one off and that's it. And, you know, and they might, you know, meet again in a month or two, but, you know, it's not like the beginning of a full program or anything. You know, which I like, you know, especially nowadays compared to what we're getting with the WWE. Like, I like longer programs, but, like, right now it's so form, formally, mm-hmm. you know? You know you're going to get, like, a three-month program. Exactly, major... and you can kind of book each match. You know, mm-hmm. this match in between is going to end up with, like, you know, an, uh, it's going to be a DQ or, you know, some kind of weird finish. So you have to, you know, warrant another match. So it really does feel formulaic. So I... I like that New Japan can just have a match and it be over, and they like literally announce who the next you know contender is going to be right afterwards. So um, you know it's refreshing at least. Um, so I don't know. That's gonna do it though, man. Yeah, it's gonna do it for this episode. All right. Well, before we go, we got some podcasts that we like to shout out. Podcasts that we think you should listen to most definitely. All right. First up, we've got Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Make award seasons year-round. A screenwriter and a lawyer dive into films and races past, present, and future. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Then we've got You Watch and I Listen podcast. Listen to us talk music, movies, and more. We are moderately funny and mostly annoying. Dan usually does the tweeting. Um, They're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Um... We've got a wrestling podcast, uh, View from the Top Rope, Three Marks from Wisconsin, Chad, Diesel, and JR talk wrestling and give their thoughts and opinions. Find us on all major podcast platforms. And then uh, last but not least, we got Movie Mayhem Podcast. Hey, check our hosts out, Matt and Brian, every Sunday for reviews, crazy tournaments, debates, or rare top 10 lists, but mostly reviews. Damn, you know that's not all we gotta shout out, because we also gotta shout out DCP, Drama City Productions, our network. That's right, go ahead, uh, follow us over there, and check out all the awesome podcasts. Yes. Um, and then you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We use all the social media. Um, you can find our podcast through those, but you can also find them on any podcast platform that you like to use. I mean, that's Podbean, iTunes, uh, you know, Spreaker and Stitcher and all those good ones that you like to use. That's right, damn it. Yes. Follow us. Google us or you can find us. Subscribe, rate, and review. Exactly. Um, beyond that, uh, 
you want to go ahead and shout out our oh. uh, promo for this week, go ahead and uh, make sure if you're in the Chicagoland area that you check out Lost Souls Haunted Bus Tour. Uh, they go ahead and they hit three haunted houses a night, um, all on this lavish bus. Um, there's cash bar and just a good time. Yeah, you want 10% off? Use promo code NERDSHOW. That's right. And we'll go ahead and give you a nice discount. Yeah, so let them know that we sent you. Damn straight. So. Um, and then beyond that, we have uh, you know a house DJ to check out. Greg Brubner. Follow him on SoundCloud. He did the intro song that you mm-hmm. heard at the top. And then the song that you're listening to right now is by... Them Guilty Aces, an awesome rockabilly band from Chicago. Yes. Check them out on iTunes and YouTube. All right. Continue to check out Horror Month with us. Make sure that you continue to listen to us. Um, uh, we've been doing movies all month, going down through each one. Uh, we had another great one today. What was that movie again? Halloween 4. Oh, yes. So uh, make sure that you're checking those out. Uh, we've also been on Twitch playing video games. I have a, an event going on this Friday. Uh, I'm going to get blackout drunk for you. <laughs> so make sure that you're checking us out there. There's also an opportunity to win Call of Duty Black Ops during the stream. Um, How do they do that, Christian? Uh, they just gotta be following me. Anytime between the time you hear this and the time I get blacked out. <laughs> all it takes is a follow. Yeah, all it takes is a simple follow. Not a bad deal. On Twitch. Not on Twitter or Instagram or anything. On Twitch. And tune in and watch Christian make an ass out of himself. Exactly. <laughs> I might have some guests while I'm doing it as well and we'll all be drinking, so. That sounds like a good time. Exactly. One shot, one death, everything. Well, are they all gonna be uh, taking the uh, challenge too? I'll see about that. <laughs> that could be a mess. <laughs> I might tune in now. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. going to do it for this week, yeah, right? That's going to do it for this week. I'm Christian. And I'm David. And that's the Amazing Nerds. This has been a Drama City production.